Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Paperwise this morning, well, a big bold headline, a big black type in the Independent this morning. No further easing of restrictions until the end of September. And that comes as another hammer blow to live entertainment. Unlikely that indoor live entertainment will be given any light, not to mention a green light to resume. But a roadmap instead will be published soon uh, to and then possibly pilot more pilots for indoor arts events will be held. You know, they'll be testing the water with them, but no easing until the end of September. Unfortunately, uh, we're hearing of COVID numbers and admissions to ICU, and of course that puts a damper on everything indoors. Um, Meanwhile, the consequences of uh, COVID continue to hit many families in the pocket. Uh, And there was a moratorium, which is a pause, that was put in in January, but lifted in June um, on uh, people having their gas or electric disconnected. Now that's gone and it means that uh, families in Cork are facing huge bills for electric and gas um, because they've lifted the pause on disconnecting people. And that's a story that makes the echo today and they're turning more and more people to St. Vincent de Paul. On top of that, of course, Paddy O'Flynn at St. Vincent de Paul talks in the echo today about um, the rising costs of dealing with everything else besides utility bills, including back to school costs and the imminent reductions in pandemic unemployment payment rates. And he talks of one family in particular who owes €1,900. I don't know whether it's a a cumulative bill of €1,900 or whether it's a bill of €1,900 for gas and electric, but it's a sad story that makes the papers today. The mental health of people who um, are pregnant and giving birth and indeed their family members makes the star today because the maternity restrictions are adding to the mental health toll on pregnant women and their families, according to the uh, Psychological Society of Ireland. And I'll come back to this in a few minutes time, but it's no longer funny if it ever was funny regarding uh, Wally the Walrus, because um, the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, uh, Padraig Hooley, who I'll talk to in a minute, says we need to stop treating Wally like a pet. He's not a pet. He's a wild animal. And it seems as if he's been injured. The Red Tops this morning have photographs of uh, Wally clambering onto the decks of various boats. He's in a speedboat at the moment. They call it a pricey speedboat. But what about the price on Wally's life? They say that he needs to rest because he's got one hell of a swim ahead of him. Uh, So Wally the Walrus makes all of the papers this morning and I'll come back to it in a few minutes' time. Do you recall that story um, that we were reporting on um, some time back? It was the uh, discovery of the death of uh, Mary O'Keefe. She was found, or at least her remains were found in in Donnerail earlier this year. She lived in Dromahan near Mallow. She worked as a cook um, and there's a man now set to go on trial for the murder of uh, Mary O'Keefe, man called Michael Leonard, 72-year-old woman found, uh, body found burned in a burned-out car in the forest. Well, that story makes the tabloids today because the trial is about to about to start. Um, and, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, the, the city and how great it is and the outdoor dining and the hospitality, if you've ever wondered whether they're still fining people for floating parking restrictions in the city or traffic regulations on Patrick Street, apparently they are. The echo says 56 people have been fined. Um, and another story that's of interest uh, to all of us here in Cork is the 99th anniversary of the death of Michael Collins. So next year will be the centenary. There won't be a traditional bail and a blow um, ceremony um, again this year. Instead, they're going to be doing it uh, virtually online. But I just wanted to mention it because it is 99 years uh, since his uh, since his death, since his shooting, since his murder. And a lot of kids-related stories making the papers today. Like they're saying in the mail this morning that a children's yogurt 
has the same sugar in it as 16 biscuits. And it's not a million miles away from my chicken nugget from McDonald's that still looks the same nearly 20 years on. You don't know what else is in it to, you know, if it was just pure chicken, you would think it would ultimately disappear in time, wouldn't you? But yogurt, and many people would have thought that a yogurt, a pot of yogurt would be a healthy option. But just one of them, uh, one in 20 pots marketed as children friendly, contain the appropriate levels or the uh, exact levels of sugar as say 16 biscuits and they talk of the Nestle Rolo Mix and Toffee Yogurt for instance now even reading it out you would think well that can't be healthy like and they go through the Ople Pettifaloo Greek ones and the M&S ones and the kids chocolate pudding whole milk yogurts uh, a million miles, I suppose, from the, the ones that, well, I guess when you read them, you can tell they really aren't as healthy as they might seem because they include the word yogurt. So you need to be very careful. Uh, on Post have rolled out a new app where you can digitally pay your kids pocket money. And for every chore they do, apparently, you can digitally transfer. I suppose it's like Revolut for children, if you like. And then a fairly scary one that makes the Red Tops today, where they're reporting 18 children aged 14 and under uh, reported as testing positive for a sexually transmitted disease in Ireland, showing that more and more children at a younger and younger age, age are engaging in sexual activity. Down in Douglas, there was a lot of talk as to whether or not Lidl would get planning permission to build a supermarket. Uh, down around, I call, I call it kind of Barry's Road by Barry's Field, but it's actually the relief road down the side of Douglas. But that's been knocked back, apparently, the refusal of plans to develop a new uh, store for Lidl. And apparently many, many people are happy with that. Local reps are happy with it in Douglas. They want to win back the Douglas Village area, they're saying. They want it to have to get back to the more of a more of a village feel, I suppose. Uh, and villages are nice places, aren't they? You don't want them to turn into uh, like little mini metropolises. But don't you love that story from Galway? And I think I read about another um, project like this where they managed to absolutely er- eradicate canine poop or dog poo, if you like. They are stenciling signs on the roads, literally stenciling, uh, on the roads of black spots where there apparently has been a lot of dog fouling and it's working a treat in Galway apparently um, the amount of dog poo has halved in these trials it's it's a little stenciled sign that they spray onto the road and path which says clean it up you dirty pup clean it up you dirty pup and apparently it works it wouldn't I mean Signage probably does work. Uh, and one international story is a uh, Taliban-related one. They're saying that the mask is starting to slip and they're starting to show their true colours um, as they killed protesters, whipped crowds and tarred suspected looters. Um, they're reporting that up to 12 people died yesterday uh, in Afghanistan at the hands of the Taliban. So that's a story that uh, is still very much uh, front and centre. Um, but you wonder, on an international scale, what do Irish people care about? Do we care about Afghanistan? I think to an extent for women and young girls, we certainly do. Do we care about world hunger or do we care about climate change? And which of them do we care about most? Well, apparently the latest poll that's out, it's not world hunger. It actually is climate change. And I suppose when we see all of these fires now in all the various countries around the world, I guess people are starting to kind of wonder, really, the world does seem to be changing. What's it going to be like in 10, 20, 30, 40 years? Will the whole world be on fire? Um, they're certainly on fire up in uh, Montrose. Uh, a lot of rumours going through the rumour mill that Ryan Tuberty is going to be replaced by Tommy Tiernan because Tiernan's numbers constantly 
um, you know, uh, outdo and outperform the late, late show. So the Red Tops now are wondering, what's next? Will Tubbs get the heave-ho and will... Um, instead of getting uh, another lash at the Late Late Show, that they'll give it to Tommy Tiernan. No tears for Tubbs is the headline making at the Mirror this morning. And apparently, you know what's been booming? And I'd love to chat with people if they go um, and get this done from time to time. Does anybody go and visit tarot card readers? Apparently tarot reading has boomed um, in the recent past. Uh, Tarot card reader says that business has never been better during the pandemic as people are seeking answers about their future. Tarot card reader has been using the cards for more than 30 years and she's noticed a huge increase in clients over the past 18 months since the pandemic took hold. Not quite sure how you can read tarot cards with people, particularly during lockdown. I suppose like everything now, you could do it virtually online. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see if anybody has gone to tarot card readers and how accurate are the cards, you know? Uh, how many of the things that you were told came true? The good, the bad and the ugly. Anyway, we may well come back to that. I'd love to chat. Text 0868104106. Uh, pick up the phone if you wish on one 850 The Neil Prenderville Show. I wouldn't be surprised if it was something the likes of uh, the one and only Brenda Denny. He has done from time to time tarot cards and fortune tellers and people like that. I'd say you'd be well up for that, actually. Maybe have a think about that, see if you have done it in the past. Anyway, listen, before I... I want to talk about Wally the Walrus in a couple of seconds' time, but just this breaking news. I know we talk about traffic delays and ducks walking across the road and all sorts of stuff like that and horses and what have you but how about goats how about goats amy good morning hi neil how are you Grant, what have you got from me from st luke's this morning uh so i was heading to work this morning um there was five billy goats i was on the, the the road all of them with horns um one of them is pretty elderly and the other four seem young enough um so they were just they were running in and around the, the crossroads and everyone was kind of just taking photographs pretty um pretty afraid of them but then um, I herded them got out of the car you did you herded them yeah Um, down down St. Luke's towards the leisure plex then up York Street and we actually have them so they they got up on the footpath then um, along Wellington Road and one I jumped in front of them and the builder ran at the back side of them so we have them pinned and the the two builders now have actually got fencing you see that Um, I have the photograph they're lovely yeah, we we fenced them in there now, so they're safe out. How endeavour, uh, there's a bit of a predicament because City Pounds won't take them. Um, we don't know who the owners are, so essentially, like, the, the, the guards are here as well and nobody kind of knows what to do. Or to Where did them. they come from that they got to St. Luke's? Did they come in the Ballyhooley Road from the countryside or, or what? Apparently, there was a call late last night about four goats. I don't know where, but they've been wandering since last night. And they must be upset, like, you know, they must be oh, out of sorts. They're, they're absolutely terrified. Ah, yeah. And the pound won't take them. Why Why no. is that, I wonder? Is it that they just do dogs and cats and stuff like that? I, yeah, I think it's just, it, it's out of there. So, like, I don't know if, if you guys know any sanctuary or, you know, petting farm that, that would come and... Just look them. after them, the professionals, until such time as they can be reunited with whatever they're from. You never yeah. know. You never know. There could well be somebody whose goats have gone missing that is listening right now. And you, and you say the yeah. one is elderly and the others are, are they others baby goats or what? They they wouldn't be babies. I'd say they're probably be about two or three years old. Uh, the misfortunes. And with all of the traffic and the people and the concrete and the road, they're way out of sorts, I'd say. They're completely yeah, out of their completely. natural habitat. And do you have any problem herding them as you did? 
Um, they, they kind of escaped a couple of times. Like, I had a bit of help. There was one other lady along the road um, that was <laughs> kind of trying to, to get them. And then there was a, a guy on a bike where I kind of shouted over, like, look, can you try block that side? Um, You're brilliant. Oh, sorry. We've just actually had an update. The owners are on the way. Oh, my God. Really? That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So they're coming with some kind of a way of just transporting them back to the farm or the field, like a trailer or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Now, even, even to be up around here, you, you can smell the minute I got out of my car at St. Luke's, you could just smell ghosts. <laughs> well, years and years ago in St. Luke's, you would have seen quite a lot of goats because that was, <laughs> that was actually, you know that kiosk there? Yeah. That was a toll kiosk, you know? Where farmers okay. had farmers had to pay a toll there to bring goats and chickens and cows and horses into the city to the markets. Oh my god! <laughs> any, anything to make money in this country. Well, that's the way it used to be years and years ago. Maybe the ghosts just wanted to go into the city to have a bit of out, outdoor dining, outdoor hospitality. A goat's <laughs> maybe, maybe a goat's a goat's cheese salad or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I have a video clip of it as well of the, of the ghost, so I'll send that on to you. I know I sent the photo. Apparently, somebody says they might be well f- be from the, the Spring Lane halting site. Um, so that's possibly where they got out of. Possibly, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm not sure. All I know is there, there, there's You're the great. ghost reported since, uh, since last night. Well, look, they're, they're fenced in now anyway. And fair well done. The, the construction land. And fair play to you as well, Amy. Job well done. Fair play to you. Because they could have got hit from a car. They could have run out in front of a lorry or anything. So well done, girl. Well done. Thank you. Take care. Cheers, Amy. Bye-bye. Okay. As to where exactly they came from, I don't know. But we are getting texts say that the goats uh, have gone from a wander from Spring Lane uh, and that they're constantly wandering on the roads up there. Uh, but apparently they wandered a little bit further this morning. I wonder why they're kept there, actually. Maybe it's goat milk, goat's milk, maybe. Maybe they're making goat's cheese. I, I don't know. Maybe they're pets. Anyway, one person who isn't a pet, right? He is not a pet. And um, this has got serious now with regards to uh, Wally the Walrus down west. Um, and the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group officer, uh, Podrick Hooley, who was on to me on the air about a week, maybe 10 days ago, uh, needs uh, saying, these are word mine, my words, not his, that people need to cop on and stop treating him like a pet and they're getting too close and they're up trying to get photographs and he's frightened and he's distressed apparently. I hope I'm telling the story accurately and correctly. Padre, good morning. Good morning. Is he fri- Thanks for taking the call again, Padre. Is he frightened and distressed, would you think? Uh, I have no way of knowing. Uh, we, 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 we don't know. I mean, people often look at animals and kind of anthropomorphize and they you know they, they, they read an awful lot that you know we're just not qualified you know we don't really know an awful lot about that we, don't, we, we know precious little about walruses uh, but you know whether he is or not you know there, there's you know it's it's the same story it's just a different a different location as, as he's pushed west now and he's in the, the, the Crookhaven area but you know he's he, he seems to be doing just fine I mean he, he may well be stressed. I, I don't know. I don't know what a stressed walrus looks no, like. No, the only reason I mention stress is because Seal Ireland are talking about him being stressed and also being injured. Right. Well, every, every time the walrus has moved to a new location, uh, we hear the clamour, oh, he's injured, we need to help him. And we're going, oh, God, that's terrible. Let's have a look at the images. And you have a look at the images, and he looks just like he did 
the day before and the week before that. When, when, he, when he went to France, apparently, he had been struck by a boat and he had a big gash. And we were thinking, oh, crikey, this is, this is, this is a disaster. Uh, and then we see the images and there's no sign of any any obvious yeah, trauma. Or any I know what you're saying. So people can say lots of things. And the problem is, Neil, that it tends to stick. And it becomes the narrative. But I'm, you know, but if he's injured, you know, sh- show show us the images. They, but even if he is injured, what can you do? It's not like it, it's a it's a cat stuck up a tree, or it's a or it's a ghost that's got lost. It's an animal that weighs nearly a ton. If it's injured, there is not a blind thing that anybody can do to actually assist the animal. Oh, I understand that. But it's just that they're saying that he's showing signs of an injury on his flipper. From, try, from climbing in and out of boats and, and maybe that's why there are, people have been thinking that maybe some kind of a floating pontoon would have been better for him. Yeah, well, well, well what you're doing is you're, you're just encouraging him to stay longer, which is the opposite really to what we want. I mean, there is no evidence that, uh, that, that, that he is injured, uh, certainly no evidence that we've seen. But, but the more we interfere yeah. or intervene with this animal, the more you're, you're encouraging him potentially to stay on at these latitudes, which is really not what we want. These are very robust animals. These are animals that have, live in a very hard, the harshest environment you can imagine. And I think he's well able to put up with climbing in and out of boats. They, they climb up onto ice floes. They, 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 you know, they survive in a, in, a, in a really bleak, harsh environment. I don't think West Cork is going to throw too many challenges, uh, except for the people challenge. I know what you're saying, yeah. You said that yeah. it's because if we don't cop on, it's just turning into a circus. And that's what we saw. Listen, it's a, it's and it's just a moving circus. Uh, it's just every couple of days it moves on, and it, it, it's the novelty of having him there. So, if again the, the take home message: go. We're not telling people you can't go and see him, but go and it's a wonderful opportunity to see this amazing rare rare species in Irish waters. But but watch them from land. Bring a pair of binoculars. Bring the kids that. But you know, stop corralling them around in boats. Uh, like he, that definitely uh, has the potential to, to stress them out. And we, you know, he could be unpredictable. He's a really large animal. So treat him like a bull in the field. You, you would watch that animal from the safe side of the fence. Uh, and, and people just need to, you know, again, it's the same message. People need to cop, cop on. He looks funny. He looks quizzical. But he's a large animal and we want him to go. So the less we interfere, uh, you know, we don't want to make it comfortable for him down here. We don't, you know, we, we want him to get sufficient rest so he can build up the strength so we can carry on his journey and really until such time as he rounds that corner uh, at Snayhead, he's really not truly tracking north but we will all breathe a huge sigh of relief when we actually finally hear that he's travelling up the, the Kerry Clare Galway coast and heading at least in the right direction But Patrick, he's not lost is he that he would end up in France and then you know Valencia and France and the south southeast coast of England and, and then Waterford he's not lost no? Well, that's why the reporting of the sightings to the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group is actually quite important because, you know, we're, we're, we're tracking his progress. And if you look at his route down to as far south as, as Santon there in Spain, Spain, and then you look at his, 
and you look at his track north, one is almost overlaying the other. And that would suggest that that he that he is using, uh, you know, that he has navigation and that it's working. Otherwise, it would be very random. But, there, you know, there is there does seem to be um, a, a track that he is following one on top of the other. Um, so, so, yeah, we and the people who know about walruses uh, in Denmark and in, in Greenmark, uh, Greenland, they're, they're telling us that there, there really is no reason why he shouldn't be able to get back north. So that's really positive. He looks hale, he looks hearty, perhaps he's stressed. I don't know what a stressed walrus but I know you like. said that, but if, if he were, for instance, stressed or frightened or bothered, because you might see these boats and people as being predators, why doesn't he just leave? I mean, but, I mean walruses, they, they have... They, they have restraint because there are constraints. I mean, they do need to rest an yeah. awful lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, they spend about two thirds of, uh, of of their lives hauled up big animals, so they do need to rest a lot. And and, and that's just what's bringing them into conflict with people and with boats. Uh, but you know, he he needs the rest, and he is moving. Like every couple of days, you know, if we have this conversation in ten days' time, hopefully he'll be an awful lot further away from West Cork, probably off the Kerry Clare coast. So he is getting there, but uh, you know. What's attractive for him here is that you know he's all these wonderful little bays and harbors that he can pull into, yeah. and unfortunately there are boats there, and that's bringing him in conflict. So if you have a boat and you are in that area or you are on his track line, you know put a tarpaulin over the boat, remove the engine if you like, because if the boat goes to the bottom, it's not the end of the world; it can be lifted. But if you've got a very expensive engine or motor at Forget the end of that boat, it, yeah. uh, you know you, you know your marine insurance may not look kindly on it. You know, okay. Uh, See, he's he's resting on a little speedboat in Crook now, I think. Isn't that the case? That, that's right, yeah. That yeah. just tends to be, you know, what, what he likes. Um, uh, you know... What about this soft he, pontoon, no? Sorry? What about the pontoon option that they were going to float out to him? Uh, you know, there, there seems to be issues with, the, with, with pontoons. I know the local Coast Guard here uh, weren't, weren't terribly happy with the idea of just putting pontoons out in bays or harbours. Uh, you know, the, the, there were issues of foreshore licences and navigation lights and all that. But, you know, there's plenty of places for a wild walrus to haul out. They haul out on land. We don't need to build artificial structures for them. You know, he's a wild animal. They right. haul out in the most inhospitable of places imaginable. We don't need to build a, a cushy, soft sofa bed. Again, this is kind of pandering to a certain narrative that we need to intervene. We don't. Nature is resilient. Leave it be and let us continue on its journey. Okay, my friend, before I let you go, i got to ask you, the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, what happened to Fungi? He died. Definitely? As definite as we can be. We said it seven months ago when he disappeared. Once Fungi had disappeared for 48 hours, we were reasonably confident he was dead uh, because Fungi had been there every day for the last previous 38 years. So an absence of even two days was sent sent a really big alarm bell out. So we can stop talking about find Fungi or where's Fungi. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. No, no, I'm just wondering what happened. I mean, did he die in the harbour or did he go out to sea to die? No, that is a real mystery. It's a strange thing. My colleagues who study the same species, bottlenose dolphins in the Shannon Estuary, uh, where there's a population of several hundred 
fungies, if you like, bottlenose dolphins, and they rarely find them. I mean, they die all the time. They die, you know, these dolphins, you know, you'd have several dying every year in the population, and then you'd have recruitment of new ones. But the big mystery is, where did they die? Because when animals die, when whales and dolphins die, they generally wash up on the shoreline. Yeah. Uh, but but it, is a, it is a mystery that... that you know, that fungi never did. So they, a lot of the time what happens is they sink to the seabed once they expire where they just become part of the food chain. Oh, dear me. He must have been in his 40s, I'd say, was he? He could easily have been even older, yeah, because when fungi came in, he was already a fully mature adult bottlenose dolphin. Uh, so he could have been 10 years plus. I'm sure that was 38 years ago. So, so you're talking about an animal that was at least mid to late 40s. So gotcha. it was a, gotcha. a remarkable life for a, for an animal in a remarkable part of the country. I, rem- I was over in Dingle, actually, on the rib there so in the, during the summer. I was talking to the harbour master and I said, what are all of the ferry boats doing? They used to ferry people in and out to Dolphy doing. Is it very quiet. I could see that it wasn't because they were all jammed. He said, no, they're all doing different things like eco-tours and whale watching. They're booming, yep. even without fungi. Yep. Absolutely. Well, the Irish Whaler Duffer Group is saying it for, for, for decades that, you know, building an industry on one dolphin was never sustainable. We were kind of wrong because it was sustainable for 38 years. <laughs> they did all right. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, we, we've been monitoring and studying wild whale, you know, it's, it's Dingle Bay, a fantastic place, loads of common dolphins, loads of minke whales and increasingly more humpback whales. So it's a wonderful place for, for, for people to bring people out. Obviously, we want whale watching to be sustainable. We want it to be well managed because uh, it's a wonderful niche tourism product, bringing people out and like it's booming here in West Cork as well. Gotcha. Uh, but it has to be well managed and it has to be sustainable. And we'd encourage people, as always, to report your whale and dolphin and your walrus sightings to the Irish Whale and Dolphin. OK, but Wally is not like fungi. He needs to be left alone. Yeah. He, he needs to be left alone. I mean, one of the issues here is that, you know, we, we have a Wildlife Act which protects native Irish wildlife. He's not on that list because he's not a native species. So I was just thinking about it with colleagues yesterday that really there should be some flexibility in that so that when these rare vagrants turn up that they are afforded the same protection as our native marine mammals and that's something that I think the National Parks and Wildlife Service because at the end of the day they are the agency with responsibility for Irish wildlife they should also be responsible when these non-native species these vagrants uh, from the ocean uh, these aquatic mammals turn up such as walruses because we think that this is more likely uh, to become a thing in the future where we're likely to be seeing more and more of these vagrant Arctic species and indeed species coming up from tropical regions as well. Uh, You know, you talked about climate change. You know, this is the same discussion really as a climate change discussion. You look out the window in your harbour and you see a walrus, there's something going wrong and it's completely connected with climate change. All right, my man. I'm not quite sure that Wally would appreciate being called a vagrant. A vagrant is a good-for-nothing layabout, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Have a good day, Podrick. Thanks as always. Appreciate it. Podrick Hooley with the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group. So do please be careful and proceed with care and caution and give him a bit of space. Text 0868104106. Back on the goat. The goat broke loose on Grand Parade. Tell me about it. Goat broke loose on St. Luke's Cross. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. You know the way you get sent captions and memes and things like that. Somebody sent me one there of Wally the Walrus wearing a cork jersey a sports direct Cork hurling jersey with the caption I'm ready 
Wally supporting Cork in the All-Ireland Earning Final. You've heard of Billy the Kid. Well, apparently already we have uh, a name for the uh, for the, the goats in St. Luke. Billy and the Kids. Uh, I like that. Craig, good morning. How are you? Did you send me these videos? I did, yeah. Plate. You were driving along and just got the camera out, the phone out. Yeah, because where I is, you have to pull in anyway to leave a car coming. I could see a goat out in the road, and I was like, geez, what's going on? Whenever I just turned to my right, there was still about four more up in the wall. I was in stitch. I was no more good when I saw that. Um, what the heck? They're on top of a, a curved wall. A very precarious wall. like with a ver- behind, I'd say. What? <laughs> there's a big drop behind that wall as well. That's what I found fascinating. So there's four of them up on the wall. What the heck would they want to get up on a wall for? <laughs> and I didn't even see them until... I just turned to leave the other car come down and I was like, why is there a goat out in the middle of the road? And then I looked up and saw the rest up the wall. I was no more good. And then they're walking in a group. Um, when yeah, they got, I, 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 dro- I dropped something off to I deliver, I dry, or deliver for a bakery. So when I dropped stuff off and on the way back, they were all just walking up the road then. <laughs> I was maybe like, where are they after coming from? Maybe they were heading up to the Montanotti to see the new gardens up there or something. Possibly get a bit of lunch. <laughs> All right, listen, can we use those videos? Yeah, you can, of course. They're well worth it. You can get a laugh off them like I did anyway. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for staying on all. Appreciate it. We have had a call. Just to, Thank you, Craig. Thanks for the videos. We've, we'll share those. We've had a call from someone in animal welfare uh, who is taking the goats into care until the owners present themselves. Now, as to who the owners are, I don't know. People are speculating that the, the goats are from uh, the uh, the halting site. So we'll have to wait and see if that's the case. But animal welfare are on the way. Maybe the owners are at the same time. They might meet at the same time in and around St. Luke's. But I'll stay abreast of it and I'll keep you up to date on it uh, throughout the course of the morning. I mean, there is a serious time side to this like because they must be out of sorts. I don't know whether this whole thing is cruel or what, but you wouldn't want them to be out in the middle of the road and somebody not seeing them and then one of them being hit or more being hit by a car or a truck or indeed uh, somebody uh, on a bike. You'd never know what could happen if that were the case. Anyway, lines open, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. A lot of animal welfare issues to kick us off uh, this morning. Your calls are welcome. Text 0868104106. Back to Cork GA support. I have my two flags up now, both back windows, and they're fluttering away, and I feel great with two Cork flags in my own car windows. And you can do the same. Stay listening for your chance to win another scoop of prizes from our good friends at uh, Twilight News. So we have the bunting, we have the balloons, and most importantly, we have lots of car flags. And uh, right across the week, we're giving away packs of same. So you'll get all of them in your own pack. So we'll be opening the phone lines a little later on this morning. Your opportunity to win one of our Cork Support bunting, flags, and balloons packs. Uh, when you hear this, right, don't call just yet. But when I play it again, just be round, usually about quarter to midday, that's when you get on the phone. Callers 10 and 11 win. Have a listen. On the banks of my own lovely Liam. All right, Nora says Liam is coming home. Jerry says, I hope Cork Hammer Limerick and that it's the start of the new era in Cork hurling. Uh, do you know uh, we have the Downey brothers playing on the two Cork teams? Owen Downey's playing in the under 20 team this evening. They won. That's the first part of the treble. Treble uh, was yesterday evening. This text came in yesterday. Robert Downey's with the seniors on Sunday. Two fine Glen Rovers hurlers. They have super parents as well who spend years picking and dropping the lads to matches. You need to mention this, Neil, and wish them all the best, says Paula. Yes, indeedy. I'm still using my cork flag from the tall ships in 1990. 
well done and there's no reason in the wide earthly world why that flag won't be going good in another 20 or 30 or 40 years. It's bad form of the city businesses and city council that there's no bunting up to support the rebels hurling team. If you look at Limerick, should they've got behind them? Come on Cork, let's get behind the hurlers and Corky Gaboo. Um, if you're in the city, you have to take a look at Morley's menswear window. It's unbelievable. The whole building is decked out in red and white, signed hurleys, photos of past celebrations and all the mannequins giving the nod to red and white, displaying love and support for the Cork hurling team. Best of luck, lads, and up the rebels. I have reams of best best wishes texts. Can I just say on that, that's the kind of thing you will see with the local indigenous Cork business that's been there for years and years and years. I'm not having a swipe at the others, but a lot of the time they have headquarters overseas, you know, or they have, you know, management companies overseas or their pension trusts or whatever. And, and they can't really get into the Cork spirit as much as, say, a local business can. That's why the likes of Morley's menswear looks as brilliant as it is, because it's Cork to the bone. I'm a big Cork supporter, and I hope you bring this text to the Lord Mayor of Cork City. I walked through Cork City yesterday, and I must say that our Lord Mayor and Cork City Council should be ashamed of themselves. Not one Cork flag put up around our great and proud city. Ye should hang your heads in shame. Limerick are dressed all over the city in green and white. I hope you give this airtime, Kirkigaboo. Is that still the case? I mean, I got this text yesterday. So this text was for yesterday and you were in town the day before. So on Tuesday, you're saying that there was no flags or bunting in the city and it was all down to the shops that were doing it themselves. If you get anywhere looking for flags and bunting today for the super exciting weekend of the football and hurling, Frankie Toomey at Toomey's Hardware in McCroom has loads. He sold eight large flags yesterday, and I mean large. Any chance you could send this Corkonian here living in Donegal a large flag, please? I tried online, but they're either sold out or it's nearly 20 euro postage, says Alison. Oh my God, if I were to try and get you a flag now on a Thursday, would you have it by Sunday? Maybe you would. I mean could probably try and sort out a, a, a couple of car flags for you. Um, and another one, another one, another one came in about Morley. So well done to them. It's 16 years since Limerick took Liam McCarthy away. We miss him every day. But hopefully on Sunday, Cork will save the day and Liam will be coming home to stay, says Marion. Just two or three more. Will you go away with the All-Ireland being a super spreader? The one bit of joy we had in Cork in two years and you want to put a downer on it. Leave us enjoy the day for God's sake. Well, well, you see, you blame me for everything. I was reading at the front page of one of the newspapers yesterday where medics were saying that a super spreader is somewhere where you have lots and lots of people gathering 40,000 at Croke Park and you'd have vaccinated with unvaccinated. That's what they were saying. Remember Limerick, your greatest ever rugby player, Paul O'Connell's father is a Cork man with a huge GAA past uh, with Blackrock and St. Michael's. Well, thank you for reminding us, uh, reminding us of that. Pity I didn't tell the Mayor of Limerick that when I'm on the air. Uh, brilliant radio with the mayors. Tell the Limerick lads that Mayo went to Croker last Saturday and we all saw what happened. The Cork lads won't need a letter to boost them. Limerick are red-hot favourites, but the spirit of the Lee will carry us through. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. 99.9% certain that Cork are going to win. There's an element of doubt, though, if it's only 99.9. Correct. Well, I mean, I I can't be a 100% because I'd have in my face if I said, yeah, but they're going to win 100% and they're beating on Sunday. But um, having watched watched Cork since after the championship, Neil, uh, they're improving enormously in every game. The first game against Clare, the second game against Dublin, 
the third game against Kenny Dunnick. Downfall is that they're kind of seem to be pulling ahead of, uh, well ahead in all of these games that I just mentioned. And then Clare and Dublin and Kilkenny came back and nearly caught them at the end. You see, I, I wouldn't know anywhere as much about a sport like that yeah. as, as, say, your good self. But the games that I have watched, I get the impression that it's all about nervous starts, isn't it? Settling down. Yeah, but like, but, but you see, this team you know, are very young and young, young fellas have no fear of no nerves. The young players just go from just, just, you just just clear on in, instinct, like. And the thing is, Limerick, Limerick had beat Limerick beat Cork already needed the most semi final, right? And they're and they're deserving a favourite to win it because they, 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 this will be their third win. They're told all around. This is three or four years of winning. But having said that, normally a team that lose will learn more in, from that game than the team that won. Okay, I'll take your word for that. And, I'll take uh, your word. Are you going up? Like, do you have a ticket or anything like that? No, not quite, no. I, 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 I went to all Ireland. Need from '66 to 2000 to 2005. We're all missing all Ireland, but uh, since then, since then it's been like years ago. We were probably getting tickets, but for, since 2005 and 2013, it's nearly impossible. Like, I mean, there's even people that are old, old cats out in the morning. For forty or fifty years training, young person, they can't get tickets. I know, I know, I know. Well, I mean, so it, and 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 you know the, the cost, the cost of tickets, and if you wanted to stay overnight and the trains, you know, it's, it's two or three or four hundred euros. Like if you want, if you're if you're going with your family, a couple of your family, you know. So. But I think the Cork team this year, Neil, um, it's the first time in a long, long time that we have a good bench. They have four or five great subs coming on: Shane Barrett, Kingston, probably Stafford, Sunday, Kingston. They have the dogs, the Alan Cadigan. They have great subs this year, and Holstein have made an awful difference. And uh, I think it's 16 years since we won, and that's the longest we ever won. We ever went. So if if we don't win on Sunday, it'll go into the 17th year, and that'll be the long. That'll be the, you know, so the longest drought. All right. Okay. I think that's the cup team this year. I think they're nearly written on the cup, Neil, and they're nearly they're not far off fourth one in the book. They're about five or about the tenor. <laughs> You know, just, right. just for the interest. Uh, well, well, are you going to put a bet on today? I know you're going oh, yeah. to town, are you? I'm going to, I'm going to, I, 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 I'm going to put a bet on, and uh, and uh, as, no, I just uh, just a change, just a change from the holding for a second. Um, uh, I'm a huge Mayo supporter, Neil. Huge. I've you're been not, following Mayo since 2012. Oh, you're, you're not from Mayo. Do you have any Mayo blood or anything? No. No, but I mean, like, I, 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 I mean, like, they've been, they've been about 14, I'll never find this in 1951, and they lost to 14 of them. All right, well, we'll leave Mayo to their own so, problems and trials and tribulations, but why, why do you bring that up? Have you watched the multi-dollar football final up in Mayo, in the middle of all the Mayo people, which would be great. All right, my man, okay. Listen, when you're inside in town, are you going in now? I am here, we're heading off, and now need to get a couple of flanks. All right, would you ever just have a walk around, particularly maybe Patrick Street, Grand Parade, Upper Lane, place yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, that's and, what I always do, yeah. And would you ever just come back to me maybe before midday and tell me just how many, how many flags are up on poles and stuff that City Council would be responsible for? How many, how much bunting is up in the city that isn't just being put up, say, for instance, by shops? Would you I come? Will. I will. All right. I'll, 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 I'll head on the Grand Parade, I'll, I'll head on the Grand Parade and I'll come back up uh, one side and come back up the other side 
and head on Patrick Street and I'll ring it in. Okay, my man, I talked to you before midday. Make sure you get back on the air before 12. Lines open at one 104 Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, um, if you are traveling to the match on Sunday and you would like to travel by limo, you would like to travel by S-Class Mercedes. Cork Chauffeurs Limited have given me an S-Class Mercedes chauffeur-driven limo on Sunday. Thank you, Jordan, to bring you up to the match and also to bring you back. At one stage, there was I nearly had a heart attack when I didn't think you were coming back down. That would be like flying somebody uh, free to Spain and telling them to swim back. So that's sorted. So you go up and you go down with Cork Chauffeurs Limited. And how does that happen? Well, let me, let me give you an example. This is email, right? Email neil at redfm.ie. Jordan's come up with his dream hurling team, the dream team. 15 players are on it. I have the names of the players. I have the clubs they played for. I have the positions on the pitch. So it's the dream team. And whoever comes closest to completing his dream team list wins the chauffeur up and down to the match on Sunday. Simple as that. They'll pick you up, bring you to the match and bring you back to Cork as well. So here's an example. Say, for instance, I'll just give you two of them here. I want you to email your dream team. Whoever gets the most on Jordan's list wins the prize. Like, for instance, as an example, Margaret, who I think is uh, actually, it's, uh, she's out in Greenhill Courts and on the South Douglas Road, Margaret O'Connor. Best hurling team is for Christy Ring, Ray Cummins, Paddy Barry, Charlie McCarthy, Shauna Halpine, Ben O'Connor, Jerry O'Connor, Tom Cashman, John Horgan, Pat Horgan, Dermot O'Sullivan, Dennis Collin, Joe Dean, John Gardner, John Fenton. Um, and thank you for those. You, you, That's a great list. Great team. But only four of those players correspond with the dream team from Jordan. So you got four, okay? So for you, it's not going to happen, unfortunately, and my apologies for that, Margaret. But it might happen uh, for John Glavin, who emailed. And he emailed his Cork hurling team. Jerk Cunningham, John Johnny Crowley, Brian Murphy, Brian Corcoran, John Horgan, Tom Cashman, Dermot McCartan, Sean Ogahalpine, John McCarthy, Teddy McCarthy, Tony O'Sullivan, Jimmy Barry Murphy, Ray Cummins, Charlie McCarthy, and Christy Ring. So that's his dream team. And John, you got nine out of Jordan's dream team. Nine. So nine, for instance, now at this stage, is the number that has to be beaten. So your dream team, please, email neil at redfm.ie. Hopefully I'll get an opportunity to do a few of those tomorrow, but lots of them today. I'll try and get a couple on today, but certainly there'll be lots of them Lots of them tomorrow. So nine is the number you have to beat. All right. Uh, whoever gets the most and corresponds most with uh, Jordan's uh, dream team list wins the chauffeur up and down Cork Chauffeurs Limited on Sunday. So email that team, please. Neil at redfm.ie. I'll, I'll come back to your calls, unfortunately. I hope that Lauren can hold until after 10. We'll pick it up after 10. Text 0868104106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Rebel the Boo. Rebels of Boo is right, and I was talking yesterday as to what has Cork got that nobody else has, and why is Cork better than everywhere else, particularly, I know we always say Dublin, but in this case, Limerick. Uh, Limerick has the rubber bandits and Terry Wogan, but Li- Limerick doesn't have potato pies or Neil. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, you should know, uh, I suppose this is addressed to me, you should know that Rory Gallagher, who I included on our list, was born in Donegal, and Graham Norton was born in Dublin, was he? Uh, okay, all right. We still claim them, though. 
Uh, Cork is the best because it's such a beautiful place, full of beautiful, honest, open, helpful people. Up the rebels, says Jer. And here's an interesting one. We do need a few things that we're lacking in Cork. Things that Dublin has, like the tube in a cube. That's an interesting one. Like, what is the tube in a cube? Forgive me. Is that the Lewis or the Dart or what is it? The tart in the cart. Well, the tart with the cart. The stiffy by the liffy. But we do have the shaky bridge of Father Matthew. We need to up our game in this area. Oh, and you forgot to add Photo Island to your list. My apologies. The list is endless. Somebody else said you forgot Killian Murphy and Michael Collins. No, I didn't. Please remind people in Limerick that they don't have an airport. Shannon Airport is in County Clare. That drives Limerick people mad says Paddy. We have an airport, they don't. Thank you for all those. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Speaking of the match, uh, I couldn't get uh, Lauren on the air before 10 o'clock, but she's in a bit of a tizzy for a jersey. Lauren, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, and more importantly, it's a jersey for a one and a half year old. A tiny jersey for your son, is it? Yes, my 17 month old. (laughs) Have you looked for it? Have you tried to find one? I have. I was looking online everywhere and I couldn't find one at all that would kind of get delivered in time because, of course, I left it last minute. Um, and then I couldn't... F- so I couldn't find one kind of normally in different places. But then I found one and I wasn't sure whether to get it or not with a common time. So I said I'd give you a buzz and see what you could do for me. Well, does Sports Direct have it or any of the sports shops? Have you checked? Uh, no, I don't think so. You're not going to get one online now. Not fast Definitely. enough. Definitely. No. Yeah, I know, exactly. But I said I'd give you a buzz to see if there was anything or if anyone knew um, that was listening, just to see, because we have a Limerick jersey for the Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Your, your six-year-old, six-week-old son, is it? Yeah, I have a six, so he was six weeks old yesterday. Um, and then I have another son who's 17 months old. So because my husband's Limerick, we wanted to dress one of them in Limerick and one of them in Cork. <laughs> Um, to get a good picture but of course we've left it last minute because we're otherwise occupied at the moment with the two babies <laughs> it wasn't at the forefront of my mind they're in close proximity age-wise to each other aren't they? yes there yeah. was 15 and a half months between them I'll yeah. be darned so you have a 6 week old and an 18 month old there they are no, so, so one was six, week, 6 weeks yesterday and the other one was 17 months old yesterday. 17 I'm a month out ok yeah. so on Sunday afternoon yeah. will you all watch together? That's the plan. <laughs> one lad with your husband and one lad supporting with you. Exactly, on separate couches. <laughs> <laughs> not separate TVs. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, definitely They not. tell me that Sports Direct in Ballincollig, Sports Direct in Bandon, okay. Sports Direct in Middleton have loads of smally jerseys. Where, stock, where, where are you? I'm Carrigaline. Okay. Um, Sports Direct in Blackpool, perhaps? Perfect. Um, we'll definitely give that a go. Texture here says Sports Direct in Blackpool has them. I was there last night and they have loads. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. So get on your skates and go get some. I will. All I'm right, Lauren. Person. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you very much. You're very good. Happy to help. Not a bother. Take care. Text story 68104106. Uh, lots of other texts and different topics of conversation, including thank yous. Can you please say a huge thank you to the random kind stranger who paid for a well needed coffee? Uh, morning coffee, not one, but three of them for three healthcare workers in the Apple Green in Holly Hill. Whoever you are, you are wonderful. You made our day. Well done. I wonder if you knew uh, that the three people that you were going to be buying the coffee for were three hardworking healthcare workers. Well done. And I don't usually do lost and found, but from time to time, they tug on the heartstrings. And Tom and his wife went for a walk around the city yesterday. 
They're in their 80s. They don't really go out too much. So they had planned a lovely little tour for themselves around the city yesterday. And they went in because they were curious to see the robot trees. But the day ended sadly as when they got to the car park, they realized they had lost their car keys. Now, it's a Kia car key along with a few other keys on it. So they would be so grateful if anybody found them. So if you did, please get in touch with me and we in turn will get in touch with Tom. Text 0868104106. Reunite them with the car keys because it ain't going nowhere without a key. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. We'll pick it up with calls after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. And could I just update again just for a minute or two with regards to my conversation with Sammy yesterday who went to Turkey for surgery. She ended up getting a tummy tuck um, and of course there was stitching and there was the wound. It's it's not unlike a wound that you would have, I would imagine, after um, a cesarean section. Quite a large um, area um, and she was telling our story yesterday we were in touch with the clinic and I want to be fair to everybody in this regard because the vast majority of people of course I did read some stories in the UK of, of horror stories but the vast majority of people who go over uh, for work like that are very very happy with it and and can I just say they stay for the pr- required period of time for aftercare and recovery and um, I didn't have this information when I was chatting with uh, Sammy but I do have it now and it came in and I got it yesterday where, where the hospital sent me some different forms um, with regards to early release forms that Sammy, one that she didn't sign but one that she did. Um, and the one that she signed was uh, the, uh, a form in the hospital because she came home early and, of course, uh, has had all sorts of complications since she came home. But in all due respect to her, she's in an awful lot of pain and uh, you know, very down about it and it's taken a long time to heal. But the hospital and the clinic are saying that has to do with the fact that she left the care of the hospital too soon. Um, now, I have to say, she did sign a form at the hospital which said, I don't accept the recommended treatment and admission of the hospital and I leave the hospital by my own decision and I take all responsibility. And she did sign that and it was witnessed as well by the hospital. There was another form that they sent me, which is the patient's early release form. Now, that that she didn't sign and she said she didn't sign this one. I can clearly see it's unsigned. And it's a one where it says, I confirm that the medical risks and benefits have been explained to me by a member of the medical staff at the hospital. I confirm that it has been recommended that I stay in Turkey and stay in the hospital for a further three to five days for precautionary control. But I choose to return to my home country on the 26th of June. I confirm that I requested the procedure to be carried out after advice was given to me from the hospital team that this surgery would be more beneficial after a gastric sleeve procedure. I confirm that I've been made aware of the medical risks of leaving of my own accord as set out below. And the risks would be additional additional pain, bleeding and leakage, nausea, discomfort, infection and casualty, unforeseen trauma and or conditions associated with cabin pressure and travelling. I hereby release the clinic, its administration, personal and management from the responsibility and all liability arising out of my decision to discharge and travel back to my home country. Now, that's the patient early release form. I have a copy of it. Um, It's not signed uh, by Sammy, but the other one, which is the um, uh, self-discharge declaration from the hospital that is signed. So this has as much to do really with, um, you know, the risks involved in leaving. I think it's fair to everybody to say this. Now, 
Sammy was at her wit's end. She was away for so long. She was so down. Uh, you know, there had been the surgery and then they'd go back in again to fix the internal bleeding. She just wanted to come home. And I can understand all of that. But to be fair to everybody, this story has as much to do with leaving a hospital early. You can't be moving around with a wound like that. You have to lie flat. You know, you have to allow it the stitching and the wound to take and to bind and to start to close and to heal uh, and leaving a hospital early and moving around like that and going to an airport and getting on a plane, none of that will help recovery. So this is much, as much to do with leaving a hospital early as anything else. And, you know, I think it's only fair, I think it's only fair to say that for all concerned. So that's the update there, lads. We'll leave it at that. Uh, text 0868104106 for all of the business. 1850104106 by phone. Yesterday, and you've heard this morning, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I'm just dipping back into texts that I've been receiving. We heard overnight that the Taliban have shot and killed people on the streets of, uh, um, I don't think it's on the streets of Kabul, but uh, I th- think it may be one of the other major cities there. Why did they shoot them? Because uh, people, young people, were taking down the Taliban flag and replacing it with the Afghanistan flag. Um, and they won't tolerate that, and they shot them dead. Dozens of others have been injured, uh, bullet injuries. Um, So we are kind of starting to see the real side of uh, absolute no tolerance whatsoever from the Taliban. The real question, and somebody asked it on the air yesterday to me, why do we care? Some texts on that. The real question is, how could we not care? It's absolutely heartbreaking what's happening in Afghanistan. People need to show more empathy and try to put themselves in the shoes of others for a moment. It's absolutely unimaginable and terrifying. Another one, OMG, that's a horrific story that man told on the air. We had a chap on the air yesterday, Samim, who's from Afghanistan, has been here now, and his dad was one of the disappeared. He was taken away. He was um, a, a man of peace, a college professor, and he was shot and buried in a mass grave. That's a horrific story. The Taliban will not change. God help them all, says Eilish. Are you for real? We would not tolerate this here. I don't know why you're asking me if I'm for real. I clearly know we wouldn't tolerate this here and we should care. But the question was asked yesterday on air, why should we care? Um, Frank says, "Have you? we wouldn't tolerate this here? Really? Have you never heard of the Magdalene laundries or the mother and baby homes? And just one or two more, the Taliban told the Afghan army, we will kill you, then we will kill all of your family if you stand against us. That's why the Afghan army ran away. Um, let me remind you, Neil, that if 9-11 never happened, the Taliban would have been in power for the last 20 years and the world would not have cared less. And two final ones. Talking about men being brought from Afghanistan, surely we have official numbers as to how many men and women have come to Ireland from there. Let's have those numbers. Have you interviewed any women who came here yet? The simple answer to that is no. The three different interviews that I've had on air have been with Afghani men, but I am absolutely willing and able and up for chatting with anybody who's here from Afghanistan. Uh, Your comments regarding the Taliban going into drug production is factually incorrect. Poppy production, for heroin, poppy production grew massively while under U.S. occupation. Kind regards, says Tim. Thank you for all those texts. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106. Do you know that I mentioned yesterday about issues regarding gambling uh, and how um, people are gambling at a much, young, a much younger age. Uh, and also, uh, that's been helped 
not just by walking into a bookies, by an app on your phone. And of course, we see a lot of advertising and sponsorship on television. If you look at the Premiership, you will see many of the Premiership teams have betting and gambling logos on their jerseys, on their shirts. I was doing a bit of research into this yesterday. I don't know that they actually include anything to do with scratch cards or the National Lottery. I don't know whether the claim can be made that they're addictive and people uh, develop problem gambling uh, with regards to scratch cards and indeed uh, the National Lottery. But Sinn Féin are front and centre on this. And who's behind it? Who's driving it? Uh, Thomas Gould, uh, Cork Sinn Féin TD. And I read through uh, as much as I could yesterday uh, the new uh, Sinn Féin gambling policy. It's quite interesting reading. Tommy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And you're acknowledging, and Sinn Féin are acknowledging, that we have a gambling problem in Ireland, particularly with young people. Is that right? Well, these are the figures that have been there have been reports done. There was one done by Minute College earlier this year, which said that there are fifty over fifty five thousand people who have a gambling problem. So this is a very in depth survey that was done, and also a European survey was done, which said Ireland has one of the highest rates of gambling problems among young people. And between 15 and 16-year-olds, we know that there are 3,400 young people of that age who have a problem with gambling. So 3,500 of the 55,000 Irish, you said in the report, are problem gamblers. The two different surveys need the the 55,000 is based on adults. European reports um, yeah, specifically yeah. Well, on young people. Okay, so but that's you know you can still say that three and a half thousand young people have a problem with gambling and fifty five thousand yeah. Irish have a problem with gambling of all yeah. ages. Yes, yeah. And the thing about it, Neil, is I think what after highlighting this has been COVID nineteen and the amount of online advertising and TV advertising in relation to gambling. Um, specifically aimed at younger people, trying to get them into the whole area of betting online, uh, gaming, online gambling. And at the moment, if you're under 18, you can actually sign up and it only requires 72 days before you have to prove you're over 18. What we're saying is this should be stopped. You have 72 days after you sign up to have... 72 hours after you sign up to have your age verified. Yes. And what we want to do is reverse that, that you cannot go gambling online until you're verified. Do you know what young people are gambling on, Tommy? I don't mean that as a, as a trick question, but do you actually know what they're doing? No, but it, it's right across all the, the streams, Neil, from soccer betting, racing, um, uh, to online casinos, online slot machines. Like, it's right across the spectrum. Like, there are so many products available now. And what we're seeing is that, like, the, the big betting companies are targeting young people because they see them as a market for the future. And what we're saying, like, one of the things we want to do is we need a regular, a regulator to be appointed, and their job would be then to uh, stop advertising, let's say, pre the watershed. Uh, also to stop advertising aimed at younger people and families. So what we need is regulation here. And Neil, the one thing I want to say to your listeners, the vast majority of people go out and have a bit of fun with a bet or uh, it's a social event or a bit of entertainment. What our policy does, it doesn't interfere with those people at all. What we're looking to do is to stop 
uh, young people and those who are vulnerable and those who are in addiction from uh, to protect them because there is absolutely no legislation there now at the moment. Do any of the online gambling apps or portals or any of the bookies, say for instance, that we know the traditional ones, do they ever check people's gambling if they notice that a punter might have a problem? Like would an app warn someone or say you need to take a break, we're disabling you for a period? None of that happens, no? Well, you see, there is actually a, a very good scheme in Sweden which, and what they do there is they monitor people's um, the time they spend online. Yeah, that gambling, kind of thing. Yeah. The, the time they spend, the amount of money they spend. It's um, it's called play scan. And we want that kind of system. And how does here. that work? What happens? In actual fact, I think the National Lottery have a similar scheme. Neil, where what they do is they actually notify you and they say you've been online for two hours or four hours. And what it does then, it lets people know. Or, and the other thing, what we want to do is, if you have a gambling problem... Yeah, but it doesn't stop them, though. It just gives them some kind of a warning. So you could ignore that. You could, but at least, at least it would give you a warning. At the moment, there is no protection there at all. And the other thing, what we are looking for, Neil, and they have it in other countries, is if you go into a, uh, if you go online in the UK and you say, oh, I don't want to be allowed to gamble anymore, and you notify one of the big betting companies, you can't go back on unless you go through a whole process again. But you're immediately banned from online betting. We want that brought in here. Now, some of the big betting companies are saying that they're, they're, they're watching people's betting happens, but it's not regulated and there's no protections. Mm, mm. So a- age verification to be changed, um, a regulator to oversee the industry, um, because of the issues regarding all gambling problems, and the stat says 55,000 Irish problem gamblers, gamblers. Your report said, for those who develop a problem, it can result in financial difficulties, depression, anxiety, relationship breakdown, suicide, substance misuse, reputational damage, workplace issues, even criminal activity. Yes, yes. And is that like robbing? Is it robbing or criminal activity yes, to fund the habit? Stealing to find the habit, and we've seen people in the past who had who lost their jobs and who got to court because of stealing from the from the company or from family members or from neighbours. I've seen court reports about that. Actually, you are right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Men and women, is, incidentally. Yes. Oh, yes. And we've also heard of uh, uh, like a woman contacting me to say her husband uh, didn't only lost their family home because he, he'd gamble everything and he'd put him in the house of death. And we had another lady who would contact us who had been, um, she had uh, an addiction to slot machines and only for, there's a group there called External uh, Counseling and Gambling. Uh, this is a group that are funded voluntarily. Now, they got some funding this year for the first time ever. And what we're looking to do is for people who have problems with gambling that there are coaching services there. At the moment... The Gamblers Anonymous is there. Yeah, but that's a voluntary group. Yeah. It, 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 this, goes to the, this goes to the core of our government that you're expecting Gamblers Anonymous and AA and other groups to help those in addiction. This is something the government should be doing and it should come under the head to see. And the other thing we're looking to do is to levy these big companies so that we can provide those services. So there won't be a cost in the state because these big downing groups, Neil, are making, and companies are making millions, if not hundreds of millions. 
and Ireland, I think in, in, in Ireland was one of the third highest per capita gamblers in the world behind Singapore and Australia. That's phenomenal. And kids will see, and teenagers will see the logos on the Premiership shirts as well, won't they? And that will influence them. Yes, and it's, it's everywhere, Neil. And what we are seeing is the regulator, oh. and we've seen this during the European Champions there, the soccer uh, European Championships, Neil. The amount, 23%, I think, or about 20% of all advertising was gambling because that's how important they realised that young people and families would be watching the, the European Championships and they went out and they know people bet on matches and they went out to tell the people. Need but I know people have a bit of fun gambling on a match. I know it's twenty somethings that gamble from time to time. I, I mean, maybe it's a short walk to developing a problem. I, I don't know, but they, they seem to enjoy it, and they they seem to enjoy the, you know, the I guess the cut and thrust of backing their team. And Neil, two thirds of Irish people actually have a flutter or a gamble or uh, the indulge. For the vast majority of those people, it's a bit of fun, a bit of entertainment. And Ireland, Ireland has a very strong tradition in relation to horse racing and, and all different types of uh, entertainment and gambling. The problem comes is when you're dealing with people who fall into problem gambling, yeah, I know, I know, addiction, I know. and young people. And, and the impacts on their families, 55,000 Irish problem gamblers are 55,000 families, aren't they? Yes. And it, it, like, are you, people have contacted us and they've said the damage that they've done, uh, losing their relationships, uh, losing their homes, uh, destroying their lives. And the problem for this, if this was alcohol or drugs, it's, a lot of the time it's visible. But gambling is unseen and you could be, it goes right across Irish society and a lot of times you can cover it up until it's very bad. Yeah, I know, I know. It's it, you, Nobody mentions scratch cards, though, or national lottery betting. It, it, is there no problems with that? No, you see, what we're looking to do is for the regulator now to come in and do a study, because like, there are studies carried out in the north and in, the, in England, and it, it pinpoints areas where the highest risk uh, people are of developing problems. So what we're looking for is one of the first things that we would ask the regulator to do is to carry out in the survey to see where the problem is worse. Okay. And All then right. to tackle them areas first. Okay, I want to talk to Daniel in a moment because he is a, a case history in point. But before I let you go, uh, I just want to ask you, how, what's Sinn Féin's reaction now to the fact that um, there's going to be no green light for, or do you have an opinion on it at all. No, no green light for indoor restrictions being lifted for live entertainment until the back end of September. Yeah, well, listen, Neil, it was really disappointing and I know people who are involved in the entertainment industry and they're gutted. They're absolutely gutted. They feel completely left out by the government. Like, you see, when we reopen things, Neil, we should have given, they should have been given a date. They should have been given a date depending on public health. But they were never given those dates, those those certain dates. And now what you have is you have tens of thousands of people's, people who have no jobs. And, like, the, the government should have been clearer. And we're reopening society, and it's great, yeah. and it's fabulous. But the thing about it is certain sectors being left behind, and it's not here. Yeah, but it's not, it's not being helped by the fact that we had nearly 1,900 cases reported yesterday. I know we had deaths reported yesterday also, and we have a, a, an ICU number that's gone up to 54 now. 
O'Neill, the climbing. The government made the decision. Is is music like music isn't the fault of this because there's no music at the moment. So it's the other measures they took are the, the results of this. So the issue here, Neil, is will music and outdoor events and gigs create a public health issue? And if it does, will the government release the figures and say this is the reason we can't allow live entertainment? Well, I mean, you just have to look at the graph. I mean, the middle of June, it was about 400 cases being reported daily. It's gone now close and over uh, a couple of days last week to over 2,000 a day. Um, that that's since relaxing. Do you see it's four times higher now? Well, one, one of the main problems with that, Neil, is that we were about a month or five weeks behind getting the vaccines to where we should have been. And that was the, it, that was the start of all this. If we had got the vaccines out to people a month earlier... We thought we wouldn't have the figures we have now. Yeah, but we so, can have over 80% of the population with it, uh, with at least one jab, don't we? Or maybe it's closer to 90%. Like, 90% close to one jab, 80% of over 18 close to two, uh, have two jabs. So how is it spread? Like, uh, you know, why, why are people... We, get, why are, I know why it's spreading, but why are people going into ICU then? Well, it's bizarre, isn't it? No, well, the figures, listening to, listening to the reports last night, is 50% of the people in ICU are under 50. And the issue here is, the, the, I think 95% or 90% of people know who are in hospital at the moment haven't had a vaccine. And So they're under 50s unvaccinated in ICU? Yes. yes. Get away. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, you see, it goes, it goes to the, because we had a delay getting out the vaccine, it's a domino effect in Neil where people are more likely to catch it and spread it. And even though the vaccine, and to be honest, I think it's unbelievably unbelievable how young people have got on board and the majority of people have got on board with this, trying to get the country reopened again and get their vaccines. But the point is we were, we were behind and that's played an effect. Yes, but we caught up and passed out the rest of the world. You have to give some credit for that. Oh, listen, I do. But, but the thing about it, Neil, that delay is where we are now. It's like, you see, the thing about the uh, vaccine and the virus is there are four, there's a four, six-week delay. Okay, it's that six-week delay. So we should... There's 250 people in hospital, 54 of them in ICU. You're saying that, that they're under 50s and they're unvaccinated for whatever reason they're on. So we... we all, all that age groups now are vaccinated. If they wanted to be vaccinated at this stage, they would be, wouldn't they? Yes, yeah, so well, I was listening to the reports last night now, and what they're saying is 90% of people, I think, who are in hospital at the moment are, are people who aren't vaccinated. Aren't vaccinated. So, aren't vaccinated. And the people who are in hospital are people who have serious underlying conditions. So it, it, it kind of says to people, if, if you want to stay safe, if you want to keep your family safe, and if you want to get the, back to normal, the vaccination is the best way to go and we all do it together. All right. Okay. Tommy, as always, thanks for that. Tommy Gold, Sinn Féin TD. I'll chat with Daniel after the break. Thanks for holding on, Daniel. I won't keep you long. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Daniel joins me by phone. Daniel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And thanks for holding as long as you did. I appreciate it. Now, no uh, you're 39 now, right? So 25 am, years, yeah. there, there, thereabouts, 25 years ago, around about the age of 13 or 14, you were yeah. able to bet. 
I was, yeah. Yeah. And would that been in, would that been even 25 years ago? Was that online? Uh, not online at that point. I was uh, kind of the local bookmaker, you know, in small towns in Ireland. Uh, most places have the local bookmaker and it was quite normal for people of my age to be in, in and about at that time, you know. Even though that would have been against the law? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And do you recall your first bet and the reasons behind it? Uh, I, like, I would have went racing, you know, with the family then at an early age as well. I was probably in Ballinrobe races at like, you know, maybe 11, 12, whatever, you know. So, and would have played cards with my neighbour down the road playing, you know, 21 pontoon for for coppers or for a little bit more, for 50p, for a pound, you know. You found that exciting then? Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like it was, it was fun and, and whatever. And then I suppose, yeah, I do recall my first kind of proper bet, I suppose, in, in a bookmaker, you know, and it was in one of the, the bigger ones at the time. And that was, uh, I think it was uh, two pound and Lee Sharp to score first on his debut for Leeds in 96. And that one, so that's kind of the, Oh, you won the on that one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. And you found that yeah. exciting, easy money. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, shortly after that, I, I, one accumulator for about £300 for like a pound bet, you know, so when you do something like that, you think this is amazing, you know, this is just, yeah. You were hooked? Yeah. Yeah. Your dad died when you were quite young, didn't he? My father died when I was 14 and he had MS, so all my childhood, so he was kind of, you know, ill my whole childhood, so only in retrospect, obviously I put these things together at the time, you know, I didn't realise I was escaping from anything or, you know, had emotional distress or anything like that, you know, just at the time it was like, this is a way to make money and yeah. a way to feel grown up and a way to feel an adult, you know. But looking back at it now, you see it as a different reality or like a virtual reality that you escaped into. Oh no, for sure. It's pure yeah. escapism. Like I had big traumas in my life in terms of emotionally, wasn't able to deal with my father's death or have much support in those times. It was kind of, you know, someone dies and it was more like you, you get on with it, you know, it was, yeah. So you, did you have a phone account then at some stage when you were still in secondary school? So when I was still in secondary school, I had with the local bookmaker, I would, I would call bets in for the football in the evening and I'd leave them on his answering machine. So that's how I used to bet on the football on those evenings. And of course, this the money that you had it was being funded by the betting and the gambling, was it? Or was yeah, your mum giving yeah, well, you? Was your mum giving yeah, you money? Yeah, you'd have a couple of quid here and there, and then like I probably like I was you know one at the beginning, so there was that you know kind of rollover of funds, you know. So and like pretty early, like I had my first hundred pound bet when I was seventeen, and I was still in in secondary school. And if so that kind of, and if that yeah. wins, then it drives you on even more, I suppose. Or even yeah, if you, and yeah. if if you lose, then you're chasing it, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that that one lost, if I recall correctly, yeah. and that was like. But I still felt, you know, kind of it was a false sense of identity of you know self identity of confidence, being you know, look at me, I can have a hundred pound on a bet or whatever, you know. So it gave me something in that way of being you know mature and adult in. That's how I saw it at the time, you know. And nobody knew anything about this. I believe you went from secondary school to college then, is that right? Well, yeah, I went to college then to, into Kevin Street in, in Dublin and mum gave me like £6,000, you know, kind of probably, you know, just as a thing after my father dying and just thinking, you know, I'm okay, I'm going off to college, you know, starting my life or whatever, you know. So that was to help me, you know, along and I just... I was in maybe the first couple of days and then I ended up in the betting shop just around the corner there on 
Camden Street. That's where I spent pretty much all my time then very quickly. Did you did you spend most of the six grand at the bookies? I would have lost that whole six thousand, yes. In what space of time? A few months, I'd say. Up and down and slowly but surely it just yeah, dwindled yeah. away. Yeah, and you'd be winning some and you'd be losing some and you'd have good days and you'd have bad days and it was a real roller coaster of emotions but but like like I look at it now, it was a very safe problem in those days. It was I was winning or losing. So that was the only thing that was important in my life. But it was the only important thing in your life because I believe you dropped out of college and at 18 now, you're a, you're a problem gambler. Yeah, yeah. Not, I didn't feel, obviously at the time, I didn't think I was, you know. Um, so when you dropped out of college, what, what did you do then? Uh, so I very briefly worked in a, in a Londis, I think, in Dublin, you know, and I was kind of in and out to the bookmaker next door. And But I, I then I went back home to Mayo and just kind of entered a bit of a depression then, I would say, a bit of a, a definite funk and a definite, like, a lot of time in my room, a lot of isolation, you know, and I suppose a lot of shame and guilt then, obviously, from losing the money, from, you know, not succeeding in college. So I kind of spiraled, I'd say, downwards quite, quite quickly and into a not such a good place. And did anybody, I mean, you were back, did your man pick up on any of this, I wonder? Yeah, she knew, I suppose, but she was dealing with her own stuff as well, like, you know, and her own grief. And, you know, so I, I did get, uh, like, assessed by a, a social welfare officer, you know, and I was then put on disability, like, so they kind of assessed me for depression or whatever, mm. you know. Mm. And and then, so I thought at the time, this was great, you know, now I'm going to get some money and I'm going to be able to gamble, you know, because that's all I wanted to do. So so I thought that was a good idea, you know. And had you and moved into just, phone betting then and apps and stuff like that? Yeah, I opened all the accounts then when, when I was 18, you know, and an account with pretty much every bookmaker that ever existed. Did you run up debt? Or can you run up debt on an app? Uh, I didn't particularly run up debt. I had, like, I did have a... I, well, I did. Like, I had a, a... I think I had a credit card, and I used to... I don't know if that what year I got the credit card or whatever, and I had a thousand euro limit on that. And what I used to do is I'd get the cash advance across, and it used to cost me an awful lot in, in interest. And I'd constantly just kind of be cycling that and push across the. So for only for a one thousand euro limit, I, I don't know how much in interest I paid in that over the years. So you didn't get it, you didn't get into debt with with money lenders, even people chasing you for it or borrowing it from no, friends. No, no, I never. I kind of. I, I, I thought there were some lines. So the reason I didn't think I was a problem gambler to the same extent was because I had certain rules or certain lines I didn't cross, you know. But as they, as they say, that was all a matter of, yes, I haven't done that yet, you know. I know. If you stay stay there long enough, you're, you're going to do it. Yeah, because you tried to go back to college, didn't you? And tried yeah, to get then, help. And, like, so I had, a period, I had a period where I thought then, well, I was thought I was going to be a professional gambler. You know, I thought I was going to make my living from gambling. That was my delusion and my dream. Did you and, know people that had done that or something? Well, obviously, there's J.P. McManus and, yeah. and people like that. You know, you have, you know, it's a very small amount of people, but you have this you, kind of, it's you, an you ego thought, thing. You, think you thought you had the magic touch, it. is it? Yeah, well, you think, you, uh, yeah. Uh, part of it is you think you're smarter than other people, you know, you think you can do things other people can't do, you know. Well, yeah. that was the reality for me at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even though you did seek help, went back to college, tried yeah. to stop, you found yeah. yourself relapsing. 
Yeah, so I went to college in 2010 and I went to the doctor first. I went on antidepressants. I, you know, thought I was doing the right things at that stage. You know, went to college, passed my first year. And then I just, it was, you know, the temptation of Cheltenham came around and I just, you know, I, I, I didn't have supports in place or anything real, you know, to, to help me, you know. Mm. I was just going to do it on my own, you know. It was just like, well make a decision not to gamble, you know, and that's what people looking in from the outside can think, you know, it's just as simple as that. You, you, you stop gambling and that's it, you know. And Where even even with the best will in the world, you were saying that if um, you did stop for a period of time, you would mm-hmm. find that you would get an email from uh, a betting app or um, a bookmaker offering you a mm-hmm. free bet. Yeah, so I had occasions when I would t- try like that during those periods, you know, where I'd be in college and trying to do whatever the right thing. But one bookmaker that I had a very long relationship with and would have lost a huge amount of money with, you know, uh, uh, would it send me an email, uh, like offering a free bet of 100 euro. That could be maybe three months after not having a bet, you know. Because they would have picked up that you were inactive for a period of time, is it? Yes, yes. They definitely have something that told them that I wasn't betting like, you know. So they would send it, not even knowing if you were trying to stop, not even knowing if you had a problem you were trying to conquer, and they would send you a free bet. Yeah, just an email came through saying like, you know, oh, this is a special bonus for you, and they'd frame it in terms of this is especially for you, like, you know. And then, of course, I was kind of, at that point, I was not strong in my recovery or not any sport, as I said, and I was just like, oh, 100 euro, you know, I could put this on, whatever. I'll make that and then I'll stop again. You know, I won't actually start gambling again. I'll just use this free bet and away I go, you know. But you're off to destruct, onto the destructive path again then. Yeah, Yeah, as soon as, as soon as you put that bet on, then it just all comes. Why do they do that? I mean, where's the, they have a responsibility, don't they? That's so awful to do a thing like that. Yeah, I would like, I can only speak from my personal experience and my own opinion on that. I would say they know, like I've had, as I said, accounts with everyone and, I would have won with certain bookmakers, but one particular bookmaker, I pretty much did all my losing with, and this was the one that sent the email. So, and you know, if you were wi- if you were winning lots of money, yeah, because uh, yeah. I've heard of people who've been winning, 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 and they yeah. had their accounts they closed, closed the because account. of that. Yeah, yeah. So I had that experience. Like another bookmaker, I wouldn't have bet with that much. Who I may only have bet if they were the best odds on something or whatever, you know. And I would have had a winning account with them. So I had been limited, like, so I'd go to put in an amount of whatever and they'd offer me something, you know, crazy, like you can have 10 cents on that or you can have a euro on that when you'd be looking to have a thousand or something, you know. That's why they say the bookie always wins, those kind of stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, can't, you can't win in that way. They won't allow winning, you know. But, but, but now, of course, you're on the right path and have been for yeah. a few years. How did you manage it? Well, uh, like I... Was there a you know, day of reckoning? Was there a bet? Was there something? Not really. Just I tried so many times to, to give up, you know, so many times, so many moments of desperation and, you know, just real quiet, private suffering. Like Tommy was speaking about, it's a very, you know, quiet thing you can keep to yourself and no one can, no one really sees, you know, what you're going through. Of course, of course your close family can, but apart from that, you can kind of hide it very much. So it was just period, time after time of that suffering and I just got to a point where I was like, just so tired, like uh, honestly exhausted and 
just couldn't do it anymore, you know, and I did go to GA, you know, I went to GA a first time in, in 2011, I think it was, and I wasn't ready, you know, and I went again then in 2017 when I made that decision myself where I'm just like, I'm beat here. I, you I just surrendered to it, is it? Yeah, yeah. Was there, was like, like, cause is, there, is there an amount of embarrassment or shame going to a meeting for the first time kind of thing? Apprehension? Yeah, I'd say definitely in the first time I went in, in 2011, you know, and it just that feeling of, you know, well, you don't know what to expect or you don't know what's going on or, you know, it's just, yeah, there's so much shame and guilt, obviously, from secrecy and, and lying and, and for myself, like, you know, like not uh, supporting myself financially, not being able to support no, myself no. financially is yeah. a huge kind failure. of barrier to your self-esteem, yeah, you know? Yeah, I'm a failure kind and of... Did that lead to anything yeah. like like suicidal tendencies or was there any substance missing? yeah. No, I would have I would have many of the time thought I'd be better off dead, you know, for sure. Thankfully, oh, yeah. I never got as far as to make any plans or anything, but certainly it was some. It was a form of coping, you know, where I'd, I'd fantasize about my life being over. I know. know what you're saying, yeah. yeah. What, did you have relationships or were there any relationships? No, no, no relationships at all in that period. I just avoided everything. I was hiding from life, essentially, you know, and I had fe- huge fear and anxiety over that because, like, I think looking back in retrospect now, I... I had arrested development, you know, at 14. I didn't hit the milestones, you know, so I just had huge crippling social anxiety and fear over anything like that. I know, know what you're saying. They, they also said yeah. sometimes that somebody, not, not always, it doesn't necessarily follow, but that a gambling addiction could be accompanied with another addiction, like maybe a substance misuse or something like that. Yeah, cross addiction is very common, but for me, uh, it was only gambling and that was, you know, I, I thought you find the, the addiction that worked for you essentially, you know, like, and and I'll, I'll say this, like, you know, that gambling for a period kept me alive, you know, in terms of, you know, it just was something to live for, you know, and then it became something to to get away from, To that was just too much, you know. So I, I feel like in terms of there's a level of suffering in, in, in people, certainly myself, I was experiencing a level of suffering that, that gambling was kind of, you know, it was my coping mechanism to deal with. Yeah, you can see that now, of course, but you can't yeah, see that yeah. through the eyes no, of the No, no, not at the time. So that's in ter- talking about Tommy and the legislation. There's certain, certain people are vulnerable to addiction, and I would say the more highly sensitive people that experience some kind of childhood trauma, and they're, they're the ones that need some form of protection from kind of finding this addiction, you know. But what about advertising and sponsorship and, and the marketing of it, you know? Like, yeah, that, none of that, that helps. Yeah, I go over my head now in recovery, you know, I still yeah. have kind of cloth ears a lot of the time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that works I, for you. And I do, but, but it is, it's so prevalent. Like, and when I started gambling and in, it used to not be allowed as far as I know, it was illegal to advertise uh, on Irish TV, apart from the lotto, you'd never see an advert for a bookmaker in my. Yeah, but they pop the ads pop up all the time on my phone. Little casinos yeah. and spinning wheels yeah. and yeah. roulette and all sorts of nonsense like that. I mean, I'm assuming well, now that's it's everywhere. And even like you know, not to criticise yourselves, but even your all the sports bulletins and all the radios now have the tagline of a bookmaker. Yeah, much, I know, know what you're saying. I know, I know what you're saying, and and I know that gamblers. It's not recommended that they ever tot up their losses, but mm. you ha- you have done, have you? Well, I haven't, like, uh, well, there's part of the recovery, you know, you make the financial inventory and you kind of try and, and put a figure on it. But I, I haven't totally, like, for me, you know, 
we spoke about not getting in the huge debt and, and things like that. For me, my mother took the, the, the financial brunt, you know, and like I, I couldn't calculate how much, you know, she's bailed me out down through the years. Like apart, uh, without my mother, I, there would have been times I would have been homeless, you know, I, know. I would have gambled everything I had. Let's just said I read a note where you said, I reckon I gambled a couple of million throughout the years. I thought that that was a phenomenal statement. Well, it's just like if you're talking about, you know, cycling money, you know, there was one year I probably when I thought I was a professional gambler, there was one year when I did my my account, so to speak, when I was deluded in that way, you know, and my turnover that year would have been like three million. That would be in one calendar year where I would have bet three million. But you weren't three million up. No, I was about 150,000 up. So you'd be cycling the same money, but in terms of the amounts you gamble, you know, it can be pretty huge. But it's very easy for the whole deck of cards to fall down around you as it did. Yeah, no, it was like, it was completely illusory and completely a delusion, but but it seems real at the time is is the thing, you know. And how do you stay, um, you know, we use the word sober, but you know what I mean? How do you stay away? Well, I, I I attend meetings. I go to GA. You know, I I have support networks now. I've I've been to counsellors. I, you know, I'm currently back in college. I'm doing a HD in psychology. You know, and I've I've found a loving partner. I'm in a loving relationship. We're expecting our first child in December. So everything Fantastic. is you know. Fantastic. So it, it is possible to come out. Of, of it and I suppose that's the message I, I'd really like to put across you know that no matter the, the level of the suffering you feel and when you're in that suffering it is it feels incredibly personal and like you're the only one you're unique this suffering is unique no one else can understand it no one else could feel it but that's just not true you know and when you share it with another when you first burst that bubble of suffering I suppose that's your that's your first way out. Good man. Got to puncture it. Yeah, got to puncture it. Words of encouragement. Look after yourself, Daniel. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Neil. Cheers, my man. Take Gamblers care. Anonymous, uh, if you wish to pick up the phone, it's a 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. number, uh, and it's 018721133. I'll give those numbers and also some more contact details after 11. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my... Mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Nothing wrong with dreaming or hoping or wishing for things. So there's not. And if we had uh, the Miners last night winning, uh, sorry, the under-20s last night winning, the Miners maybe on Saturday winning and the Seniors on Sunday, that's a treble. And there's nothing wrong with hoping or dreaming. If they're coming back on Monday, then uh, we'll have a bit of nice weather as well to welcome them back with. So let's see if Liam McCarthy's coming back to Cork and the sunshine early next week. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You could also, um, oh, can I just was talking with, um, you know, problems gambling just before eleven o'clock this morning, and there are some contact numbers should you wish to avail of them. Pick up the phone. One is the Gamblers Anonymous uh, Dublin number. It's o one eight seven two double one double three. The other is an email address info at gamblersanonymous.ie. Coon uh, Vura in Athai is the only residential specialist gambling service in Ireland. Should you wish to reach out to them, you can Google information. I have a mobile number if you want it, 059-863-1493. And just this text for now, I totally agree with what your callers have said, including Tommy Gould and also 
Uh, Damien, um, I agree with Tommy Gould. To my family and my friends, I seem okay, but I can't stop online casino gambling. Believe me, I've tried and I've tried. I must have over 10 different accounts with different gambling companies. It is so easy to set up an account and you can gamble straight away. I have debts of €10,000 now and for me, that's where the addiction is. I need to pay off these debts and by gambling in my head, I will win big and pay off these debts. But it never happens. I keep saying to myself, I'll stop after this 50 euro. But of course, this doesn't stop. And that by text to 0868104106. You see, I understand you're in your head and that's how you're rationalizing it. But for me, reading the text and hearing your train of thought, of course, I see it differently to you. Uh, and I see your uh, 10,000 debt growing. Um, and, and possibly deep down, you, you might see that as well. I don't know if you've spoken to anybody about it. You say to your family and your friends, you seem okay. Um, I don't know whether you've picked up a phone or got on to uh, Gamblers Anonymous or, or the reasons holding you back, but I wish you would. I really and truly do wish you would because I believe that you have the strength and the power to stop um, because you're already rationalizing what you're doing is not good for you. Um, and, you know, I don't know whether you've ever tried to close any of the 10 different accounts. You believe that someday you're going to win big. Haven't we heard that so often from people? Someday, you know, I'm chasing the debt, but someday I'm going to win big and clear all of the debts. Would it make sense to pick up the phone and, and call a help service? Would it make sense to talk to a friend? You know, it doesn't have to be a family member, just somebody. Just say, I'm just looking for a bit of advice. You see, if you did and you started that process, maybe somebody could help you with a term loan or something um, whereby you could clear all of your debts and put that behind you. Get the help you need, the counseling, talking to people. Um, you know, somebody who has been through it will be able to share a path through your problems for you. I'm just, just thinking out loud because, because clearly I think the, the thinking that the 10 grand debt won't continue to grow and I think the thinking that you will soon will win big and clear all of your debts, that's just a dream. That's a pipe dream. And I don't mean to say this in a kind of a negative, judgmental way in any shape or form, but isn't this a good opportunity now to say, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to get rid of this debt and I'm going to change my life for the better. I mean, the first step, they say, is the hardest one, isn't it? So take it and, and see what happens um, and stay in touch. And, it, and if, you, if you don't agree with me or you see things differently, feel free to text 0868104106. Okay, we've got calls on the way, texts and emails as well. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll talk to Kelly now if you don't mind and I'll go for an ad break a little later on. Kelly, good morning. Morning, Ed. How are you? I'm good. Um, takes a lot, actually, to reach out because you have to swallow a lot of pride uh, yeah, and say, I "Okay." Yeah, and I understand that. I acknowledge that. So, thank you for getting in touch. Tell no us problem. about tell us about the situation you find yourself in with your beautiful child. Um, so basically, at the moment, me last year, I was only on it two weeks ago. Which I was offered a flat in Baker's Road, and I refused it due to my thumbing down syndrome. That's right. And I was taken off the list for a year. So I'm back on the list now again since August and I've been contacting the City Hall numerous times. I've been contacting the housing officer that's allocated to Callum's needs. But I'm not getting no response off him. And like at the moment now, like I'm in, I'm lucky I have a two bed house and I'm supported by HAP, so I have a bit something to cover with me and I pay the rest of myself to the landlord. But the house is tiny. I have a five year old and a two year old and Callum's down syndrome, so Callum has a lot of needs. So yeah. Like between space, lack of space, and then like we were at an appointment last week, and then I had 
his pediatrician talking to me about like the medication that he's on and where we share a room like they're giving out then to me because we share a room and then like there's nothing I can do if he's on this medication and he's in the room with me I can't change that at the moment when the city hall aren't doing nothing for me like they offered me a flat they knew it wasn't suitable like he's two he can't crawl he can't walk and the flat you were offered did that lead to you being banned or was that a different incident yeah, it, it took me off the, the, year, uh, the list for a year. Is that what they do if you refuse something, even if it's unsuitable? Yeah, unfortunately. I appealed it, but unfortunately the appeals officer wouldn't agree with me or consider anything. So, so you're off just, the list now, are you? No, I'm back on it since um, two weeks ago. Okay, okay. Um, and where on the list do you, there is a, the, the list is a long one. Where on the list would you be or does that I exist? I don't know. They don't tell you where you are on the list or what you're not. It did, basically what they said to me, it goes by my years. It goes by my house, my kids' needs, to what type of house you're suitable for, and it goes by that. And then it just basically goes by, oh, what comes off, what you add on to the end. And what exactly is wrong with where you are? It's too small. It's only a two-bedroom, and there's me, Stephen, and Callum in their own room. Because um, when I had to put up Callum's cot, we had to move my wardrobes, my treasure drawers, and all that into Stephen's room. So basically, in Stephen's room, we have a double bed, two wardrobes, two chester drawers, toys for the kids in their boxes, a bed. I'm blocking all the light that's coming into the room so Stephen won't go in there. Now, I don't blame him for not going in there when he don't have the space to do anything in there. There's no light in there besides the neutral light because I'm blocking the windows because I just put my wardrobes and my chest of drawers in there and then Callum, we're all in the warm room then together like Callum yeah, and, and Stephen's yeah. in the bed with me. But it's not even just all about social housing, Neil. It's about what's there for special needs kids and who's there to support them. There's no one there supporting special needs kids and what they need. Like, I'm refusing equipment for Callum at the moment, and any family that's listening to me that's trying to get equipment off the HSE, off physiotherapies, off any foundations that they're with, it's, it's very hard to get. And I'm at a stage now where I'm refusing it because I literally can't take a Zimmer frame. That's what Callum needs at the moment, is a standard and a Zimmer frame. Miss Fortune, he needs the Zimmer frame to move around. Yeah, because at the moment, where I had to go private and do private physio with him every week. Um, because services were stopped to cope and it was taken over by um, the Disability Network team. But we just haven't been seen yet. I know we will be seen soon, but he's three in March. I can't continue to keep lifting him. He's a heavy child. He don't have the space. And as I said, he still can't crawl. He bumps off his. He can't walk. So I went private. And now she's you know, encouraging that I get this and strong. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I can't take stuff. I have nowhere like, to put it. Yeah. I can't even put up a buggy in my house. Yeah. yeah. So he's three, like, not walking. He literally... Shuffles yeah. around on the on his bum. Yeah, he can't even pull himself to stand it. And will he eventually? Oh, he will eventually. Yeah, we just don't know when. Like from at the moment, what they're seeing, like she can't say to me. She said he is progressing. His low muscle tool is improving, and he is getting stronger. But she can't say to me he'll be walking by Christmas. He, we don't even know if he'll be standing on his own by Christmas. Mm. Because fair enough, we do the physio every week, and I do it at home with him as well. But he still needs equipment to help him. Is he? I can't is he, is he communicating and everything? No, he can't speak. Misfortune. No, he can't speak. Like, uh, and even at that, like, we don't have speech and language appointments at the moment because we're waiting for more set, so he can't speak. Obviously, he can understand bits that I say to him if he wants his food or his juice and things like that, but he can't tell me what's wrong with him. No words at all? You you only no. go by facial expressions or... Expressions and just when he's crying, I kind of just try to soothe him and see what he needs himself. So I kind of know myself now and used to him now and I know what he's looking for. But... I can't take him out the back to do stuff. My back, I don't have a back or front garden. No, it's all stoned and covered in trees. 
Yeah, I know. And and, so, and like, a child with Down syndrome, as he grows, of course, he will get bigger and uh, will and take an off and stronger. And, and he's like he's a very heavy child as it is. And for even me to put something on Facebook like that, to, like cry out and ask for a TD or a local counsellor and an outside help, Neil, I don't want to be doing that. I'd rather go away and buy my own house. But unfortunately, the bank says I'm only working part time. I'm not entitled to it. But yet, I can pay out nearly five hundred euro a month before I pay any bill to my landlord and the Cork City Hall on rent. I can pay that out before I pay a bill, but I, I can't get a mortgage, so I have no other choice but to go to Cork City Council and try fight for a social... And when you say you see people uh, left, right and centre, um, what was it the words? Because you spoke about the dampness in the house and I've actually had enough. You've, I've had enough of people who are being housed left, right and centre like they're entitled to, um, but my child's disability will never go away. No, it won't. Do you, do you see other people getting houses that they're not that they're? Yeah, I mean, I see. And like that, I'm not shouting them or down it, putting them down because they're the houses they're entitled to them too. But what is the city hall and local councillors and TVs doing about kids with special needs that are fighting for houses? We're just being neglected. There's no one there pushing for any of our children. And I know other kids that are out there like families and they're worse than Callum and like that. You're getting nowhere. There's no one there to help and push for you. I understand. That's why you're pushing us as ma'am. And, and that's why, like, and even to put it on Facebook, I was ashamed in my life. Does anybody do it. swaps anymore? You know, that you have know. a two-bedroom and someone else is pottering around on their own in a three-bedroom. No, because mine's a half house. I, mine's only rented. It's private rented. Private, oh. I won't be able to do that. Yeah. Now, and I have you... looked for three-bedroom houses, but they're over sixteen, seventeen hundred euros for a three-bedroom. Like, I don't have that money. I don't have that extra. I'm already paying out nearly five. I don't have money. You pay out five and then the HAP pays the balance? Uh, the HAP gave me over 11 and then I pay the balance for my house. My house is 14.50 and then I have to pay the... 14.50 for a damp two bed? In Farnborough. Good God. Yeah, now the landlord did come in and do work this year like, after constantly annoying him and I had to withhold the rent at one stage until he came into the house and done something and he did insulate it now it's small but, but as I said I'm not going to see what way that's going to work out until Christmas where I don't want to be stuck in this house again another Christmas Callum's birthday is again in March that's a third birthday with my child not being able to do nothing and in Stephen's five he can't go out and play because we live on a main road there's no terrace I don't have a front or back garden for him to go into I understand why you're stoned. I understand why you're no I understand no, why you're fighting for your corner I understand that that's not a problem like, it's actually desperate for any mother to but it's the rent you're paying on a two bed no disrespect yeah. like I have no it's, issues it's with any sort of actually standless. but fourteen fifty for a two bed terrace it sounds it's like it sounds like as if it's I mean that's that's three four hundred above what it should be at least yeah has it got that bad, yeah? Oh, it's the house is desperate. No, like that. No, I mean rent. Oh, rent is ridiculous, Neil. I'm actually looking up three bedrooms on daft as well just to even see if I could change over. And you're talking 16, 50, 17, anything up to two grand even for four bedrooms. Like, we're not living in Hollywood. Like, what about, like, and fair enough, some landlords won't take the half, but what about the landlords that do? You're still not, not meeting people's needs. Because people have to still pay more than Joe towards them, and that's understandable if you have it. But for the family that don't have it, I'm sure I know, I know, I know. I bet you I'll get other calls from people paying similar oh, kinds yeah, of rent. How did it get so that. crazy? Um, and, and also, you know, where I mean, it's a da- it's a damp house, you know, for, yeah, for the kind is. of, for the kind I, of I rent you're paying. Pictures. I have numerous pictures of like my kids' clothes that I have to throw out between the, the toy boxes, everything, like new, the walls, my blinds. The water at one stage was pouring from my ceiling down because it used to get so wet and I used to land on the bed in the cot. 
Oh, for God's as sake. I said, he came in and done insulation this, in the summer this year, but the summer is no good to me. It's the winter as I needed it. And like, I don't know, I, I might be here this winter, I mightn't be here this winter. But like, if I don't start fighting for my child, I can't speak or can't demand or fight up and stand for himself to do these things that he's entitled to. No one else is going to do it for me. Okay, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to give you the opportunity on air and to chat with you and thank you for that. We have passed on your information and Tommy Gould, who'll be your local TD, says he is going to look into your case and he's going to come back to you. Yeah, he contacted me as well. Okay, well, let's see. He, so that's the local TD that you're asking to see if they can fight your corner. Let's let's see if he can get any um, if he can get any uh, uh, response and see if we can move things along for you. You never know. You never know. I know, only yeah. yeah. Thanks very much. But only only by talking out like you do. That's how to get things done. So we'll see what and happens, Kelly. Families are embarrassed to talk out, but if you don't fight, no one's going to hear you if you don't use your voice. You I have hear to you. speak out and let it be heard. Okay, let's see if we can make a difference. Thanks, Kelly. Look after Thanks yourself. Very much, Cheers. Back after Bye. the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, if Rita could just hold for maybe two minutes, I'll go back to the phone lines in a second. We were talking about all sorts of confusion and people up to 90 over passports for children and trying to renew their own. And I dealt with that in quite some detail yesterday, notwithstanding the fact that they have um, processed and sent out hundreds of thousands of passports across the summer. They still have something like 100,000 still caught up in the system. Passport Office, Neil, is just another example of the totally non-functional, bureaucratic, state-run agencies that this country is infested with. I think he's talking about the public service. We are one of the most densely populated countries on earth when it comes to civil servants. Yet we are bogged down with bureaucracy and red tape. Look around you. Every state agency in this country is a disaster. No exception. Look at the state of the HSE, for example. Look at the fine example of the housing department. Anything that the state has a hand in is a shambles. The convention centre in Cork, the children's hospital, the doll super printer. I could go on forever. Despite the total and utter shambles that is the public sector in this country, it seems to work well enough to serve the privileged elite. Nepotism is ripe in these circles. You don't find many people with connections waiting 20 years on a housing list or waiting for weeks, months or years for basic medical care procedures. Uh, I wonder, do elite sportsmen flying from one famous golf course to another or politicians jet-setting it around the world have much difficulty in renewing their passports? My passport expired in April. I went online on Monday the 19th of July to renew it. I received it in the post the very next day, says Terry. That's the second text. That's one where the system did work for Terry, but the other one saying uh, that um, it's only for the elite that this world works, uh, or indeed this country and every state agency in this country is a disaster. Um, and the other text then was from Terry, who says that she went online on the 19th of July, got it the very next day. Bit of a lottery going on there, isn't there? As to why you'd get it in 24-hour turnaround, and others, of course, are waiting. Um, in some cases yesterday... Uh, two to three months. Anyway, thank you for those. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Rita, thank you for your patience. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I know you're speaking to me on behalf of a friend, so that's okay. That's but right. what that's happened right, What that's happened right. to your friend? Her house was petrol bombed at two o'clock in the morning. She was in bed. She doesn't know the reason why. But the poor woman is desperate and she's a very nice, quiet woman. Yeah. And she'd not, she did not deserve this. She's after fighting coronavirus. She's after fighting cancer. She's a marvellous woman. And I don't think it's fair what I've been done to her. Miss Fortune, you're a very close friend. Now, um, th- 
when you say petrol bombed, how, was was there something put through the letterbox or thrown at the front door or what? Through, through the window. The door is gone. The windows are gone. Everything. Smashed the glass, went in, caught Smashed fire. the window, her front door, the whole lot. Okay. Was the house damaged? She's the in bed at two very, in the morning. Very badly damaged, Neil. Very badly. Did she wake up? She, of course, she did with the fright. She got... She thought she was going to die. I mean, what, 2 o'clock in the morning, like. And what did she do? Did she get out of the house? Did she call the fire brigade or did neighbours... She called the fire brigade. Were there the guards? Everybody. Everybody. Was the house gutted? Not, not completely gutted, but very, very badly damaged. Very badly very damaged. Badly. And what about her possessions? Her possessions? Well, she, a lot of stuff was gone. Like... That, uh, I mean, she's only on a pension. She's 70 years old, like. Are the guards investigating it? Did, did oh, yes, the guards are investigating every, every, everything that they can. Okay, okay. So her house, okay, 70-year-old pensioner's house, petrol bomb three weeks ago in Killala Gardens. No reason as to why this would happen. Not that any reason is a good enough reason. Do you think that they confuse the houses? I don't know the answer to that. Neil. We don't I really know. don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't but know. I think it's an awful thing to happen to such a nice, quiet, respectable woman. And how has she been so since this happened? Desperate. She can't sleep. She can't eat. God. I mean, what way would anybody be, Neil, if that happened? Yeah, I, I can well imagine. A nice, quiet, lovely lady just minding her own business and this happens to her. She won't, you know... She, and she hasn't got a bad bone in her body, the same woman. She won't you be able to speak. even barely hear her speaking. And what does she say about it all? She, she, says she doesn't know what to say because she hasn't an idea. And has anyone gone in to try and fix all of the damage and make it right again? Well, there was one or two, but their council told her she's going to have to pay for all the windows. And she cannot afford it, like. She's on a weekly pension. Why would they say that? It's their property. It wasn't of her doing. Well, that's what she was told. But what about all the rest of the damage by fire? Well, I don't know. I don't know. One or two neighbours might have helped, but they can't do everything. And is she, has she been there for the last three weeks with the broken windows and the fire damage? Yes, 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 she has. I mean, could we send could we send somebody up to meet her to have a look? She'd be delighted. Does she need help? I wonder that Seamus could well be free later on to take a potter up there. Yeah, he's not, yeah. We get the thumbs up. We'd love to go up and see her. But Neil, is the only way? Like um, the woman is very proud. I mean, even a weekend away for the woman, Neil, if you could arrange it. Weekend out of the house. Does she need anything yeah. by way of? Stuff for the house, like is she? Yeah, well, I mean, what's been damaged? Well, I mean, a bit of food, Neil, and whatever, whatever you could try and come across, not to be putting you under pressure. I think what we should do is visit her first and see what her needs are, because I mean, um, you you never know. She might need bed clothes, or she might need clothes for herself. There could be smoke damage. Yeah, I know, Neil. I know, and I'd be so ever so thankful to you. I I you I know I met you myself on a previous occasion. Oh, okay, yeah. 
I know, and you're like, a very, why, very why? nice man. I know, we can't, we out. can't, we absolutely. If you're this is a genuine case of a 70-year-old that's petrol-bombed, everyone will want to help her. Yeah. Because she mean, must like, be I very, she done, must, what? You've done a favour for me in the past. Well, happy to help if I, if I did, you I'm did, happy honestly, to do it. You and okay. I was desperate at the time. Okay. Yeah. I won't say the reason. I'd That's all right, girl. Okay. okay so I'm the- very thankful to you, and I'd be ever so thankful if you could help that lady out, please. Okay, and will you will you ever let her know that we're not we're not prying or anything? We just want to come up, come up and see. Do you, uh, Paddy O'Brien aware of this, I wonder, do you know? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so, Neil. Okay. I was thinking myself, she's uh, a weekend away, she would be mean the world to her, because she actually can't afford it, like, she living alone? She is living alone, yes. I yes. mean, I don't mean to pry, but has she family? She has a family, but they're, they all have big families and they have a lot of their own problems. Yeah, okay. She, oh, well, I won't she's a it. proud woman, Neil. She's very proud. Why would, unless the house was mistaken for somebody else, you know, they, they have these retributions and, you know, the criminal fraternity would be always attacking know, each Neil, other. It wasn't that an awful thing to happen to the poor woman. Shocking. Shocking. A All woman right. that never did anything bad to nobody. Okay, well, let's assess... Let everybody else. Let's assess the situation and find out what her needs are um, and let the Gardaí investigate as to why it happened to this poor woman. Well, they are. They're investigating totally. They are. Yeah, okay. Okay, all right. All right, listen, stay on hold there and we'll uh, we'll work it out so we can pop up and visit her and see what her needs might be and assess the situation and... Dr. Paddy O'Brien on the subject. Well, he's he's brilliant like that, and uh, we'll go and see what she needs. All right, stay on hold, Rita. Okay. Daniel, thanks so much. All right, girl, not to worry. Hold on there, so we can get an address and pick it up after that. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. And talking about uh, our, our broken uh, country with regards to pub, the public sector of it, and that very heavy hitting email earlier on. I also got a very interesting email on uh, the broken ambulance service that we have. I mean, it's a really heavy-hitting email. I'm going to read it out in its entirety. It's it's shocking, actually. You really sit up and think, uh, oh, my God, is this the best we can do with our ambulance service? So if I get an opportunity this side of, of, of 12, I will share that with you. Thank you so much. Uh, Patrick Hogan has eye trolley. Um, that's an Irish version of Amazon. It's called iTrolley. I'm going to check that out at midday, incidentally. He got in touch with us to say if there's any food or electrical products that the pensioner needs, Rita's friend, the pensioner who got petrol bombed, they will assist in any way they can. That's the kind of generosity and help I'm talking about. Thank you to Patrick Hogan from iTrolley. We'll investigate that a little later on, get Patty O'Brien on board, and we'll see what that lady needs um, to put things right. Of course, she will always have the worry for some time to come and also the anxiety, particularly when she's in bed trying to sleep. Uh, and that's an unfortunate thing. I wonder if they mistake the houses. I don't know. You know, I'll come back to that. Uh, earlier this morning, I was chatting with uh, an ex-gambler and also indeed with uh, Tommy Gould about the ever-increasing problem with gambling in Ireland. And we got some calls, not just today, but recently. I saw a couple of texts and emails on this as well. Uh, and, it, and more again then following on gambling uh, piece saying that the North Cathedral are promoting a weekly lotto with prize funds, cash prize funds. And it's putting an awful lot of pe- pressure on people. Callers are saying that people are hooked on the North Cathedral gambling lotto. And they say that for a church and for the Catholic Church, it's very distasteful uh, that churches will be doing this. And they're asking, what are the church's priorities at the end of the day? I know very little about what the North Cathedral are doing, uh, but I have had, had a quick look there at um, their, their website. And you, you have different sections on the website, home, genealogy, music, schools, sacraments, mass cards, visit us, live stream and 
with its own section uh, in big red bold section on the top of it, Lotto. Uh, and you click into it and it says the current jackpot is €10,400. It's €2.50 a line. Minimum entry is a tenner which means you can't just buy the one line and you can enter the number of draws that you wish and you can auto-renew so that you'll keep on playing um, and you can keep playing your same numbers and they talk about the next draw which is next Tuesday for €10,400. So that's what it is all about and they have all of the different weeks um, you know that the lotto has been played but so that's it and I had a look at it there on their web page but just to get the backstory as to why or whether it's even right that they're doing it in the first place uh, I want to chat with uh, Father Tom Hayes uh, he should know what it's all about and might be able to answer some of the criticism Tom good morning morning Neil how are um, you? I'm good um, what's it all about then and the, and the reasons behind it Father Tom? I suppose Neil in short it's um a decision that was made by the Finance Committee and the priests of the Cathedral and Blackpool parishes to basically try and survive financially in the light of the pandemic. They're basically running four churches, the Cathedral itself, and our Cathedral, as people know it, the church in Blackpool, the church in Dublin Hill, and the church in the Glen. And you don't need me to tell you that during the pandemic, church collections have basically been decimated. And especially in, in that particular area, uh, especially in the cathedral, because the cathedral doesn't have a strong resident committed community around it that regularly goes in there Sunday after Sunday anymore. Of course, during the pandemic, they couldn't. Yeah. And even at the moment, they're very restricted. What is it? Is it 50 now, 70, depending on the size of the church or something? Is it? Depending on the size of the church, they can do pods of 50, but the cathedral uh, will be full with 150 in it. And if you have a couple of families, that's a big chunk of that 150 gone straight away. So voluntary and contributions it, and collections at Mass has dried up. and it's, Collections it, have been decimated. And I suppose the other, the other important thing that people don't realise is that most of the activity in those churches week to week doesn't involve Sunday Mass at all. Like the Cathedral and Blackpool Parish per year are ministering to 140 families at the time of a bereavement. In other words, they have 140 funerals. Right through but don't the people pay for those, though? They give money for those? They give a small stipend, which is for the, the sustenance of the clergy. That's where the clergy get their income from. The clergy don't get anything out of the weekend. Yeah. So the weekend income goes to the parish, and the, the stipends from the sacraments goes to the priests. So the only source of income for a priest or priests is what they get um, from a funeral or a christening or a wedding. And and seasonal collections like uh, Christmas and Easter. Right, okay. Um, so, so, for example, they're doing 180 baptisms a year. So if a family goes into the church and the place is cold, you know, nobody wants that. So the churches actually have been heated right through the winters, even when the small numbers were going in. Um, they haven't turned anybody away from weddings. So, you know, the church is open seven days in the week. And right through the winter, they fund the heating, the light, the insurance, all of those things okay. are colossal draws. So basically, the cathedral and that pool parish has said, look, let's talk to the prisoners to see if we can come up with some other way of reaching out to people. And the committees recommended this weekly lotto, which they have done before. They did back in the 90s, and people were very happy with it. Um, when you say that the minimum is a tenor... It is, but you can spread that. You can get four tickets. In other words, you can cover four weeks for that. So the the contribution is two fifty a week. Okay, and if that's not one, then does it roll on? Exactly. 
So, do you have any... It has, but it has been won. But do you have any issues at all about about encouraging people to actually gamble, particularly when we're hearing of more people who are becoming problem gamblers? And there's all sorts of temptations now being put in their way. I'm not going to go back over everything I did before 11, but lots of... But, you know, this is is another string to the bow of problem gambling, no? Well, it may be, you know, for people who who are really uh, in trouble with gambling... You know, they, but I don't think, to be honest, that the Cathedral Lotto is one where they'll tend to go to. All of that stuff is people on phones. But um, would they not be in a situation where they might end up um, using your lotto and using money that they can ill afford to spend? I suppose the key thing, the one thing is that the tickets for that lotto are basically sold in the churches and in some shops around the area. You know, so this is a, this is a community lotto. The people... Everybody who's kind of buying the tickets are known by the person at the other side of the counter as well. So there's that dimension to it. And the other thing I think is that people also forget that the churches actually host a lot of the AA and GA meetings in in the church rooms. So the church isn't unaware of the fact that people have issues with gambling and they support those organizations locally for people to come to meetings and attend meetings and they don't charge those groups. Practice but that's, I mean, that could be deemed as being hypocritical, couldn't it? It's like a publican contributing to Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, you know, but I suppose the reality is that it's not being forced on people. It's being, you know, it's a, it's a fundraising opportunity for the parish. There is, in every element in life, there's always a risk. Even in the ad break that you took, there was a gambling ad in the middle of it. Oh, I should tell I, I know, I know. I mean, I... I know, I don't know what to do about that. I discuss topics on the air and I find that some of them are advertisers, but that's just the commercial world I live in, unfortunately. But hey, nothing and, I can and, do about that. And, and I suppose for parishes, that's, we live in the community world as well, where, where those issues are live, you know. We're aware of people uh, with, with addictions. We're aware of people with homelessness. We're working with them as well on the, on the ground and in the communities. Um, it's not that the parish is oblivious to those realities. I mean, we're we're dealing with it. We're meeting it face to face on a daily basis when we encounter families. So the parishes are are acutely aware of that. Um, at the same time, the parishes have to survive. The buildings have to be kept open for those sacraments, especially that I mentioned. Um, so and a priest doesn't get a pub payment or a, a, a grant a grant aid during COVID. No, the church the church has got nothing from the government when during the lockdown. Yeah, and nothing from the Vatican. They have plenty of money, the Vatican, don't they? They're very wealthy. They haven't actually, Neil. There's a perception that there is. They have a lot of assets, you know, they have a lot of art collections. But that's expensive, you know. <laughs> they could sell um, it, though, couldn't they? They could sell all of that and give... Like Jesus would have done. He'd have sold all that and given the money to the poor, wouldn't he? Well, and then what does the poor do next year? Oh, but they're not worried about next year. They're worried about the next meal. Or they're worried about the next well being dug so they can get water. But there is, like, there's a huge amount of charitable work being done by the Vatican, including in aid agencies and in the third world. Um, If people look at the accounts where the actual money is expended, a huge amount of the Vatican income is spent spent back out on charitable purposes, which are explicitly supported by Pope Francis. So so for somebody to say that uh, North Cathedral engaging in a lotto is distasteful and that they have their priorities in the wrong places, you're saying that there is no choice it's just to raise funds to keep the lights on. That's basically it. I mean, um, yeah. the, okay. the people aren't able to go into the churches at the moment to, to give the collections that they'd normally be giving. 
Um, so, like, I don't know where else the parish can go to get funding. There's nobody queuing up in this day and age. The government doesn't give any funding for the maintenance of the cathedral, for example, even though it's a heritage building as well. Um, but there's no government source of support okay. for church buildings. Needs must. Okay, thank you for the update. Thank you for the clarification. Um, Thanks, look after yourself as always. Father Tom Hayes. Lines are open on that. one 850 You can text 086-8104-106 if you have an opinion. Thank you. Um, that uh, individual who was in touch with me regarding, you know, the, 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 the texter, I don't know whether it's male or female, I do not know, um, with the 10 grand debt because of online uh, casino betting, uh, hoping that, um, you know, one of these days the big win will come in. Uh, that individual came back again. That listener came back and said, thanks for reading out my message. Hearing what you had to say makes me feel like I can get to where I need to be with my addiction. I know it will be hard, but I've already deleted some of the apps. So hopefully that's a start. And once I'm done with gambling, I'll contact the banks and try and sort out with them regarding the debts. I'm sorry I'm not brave enough to go on and talk about it on the radio. If that's perfectly all right. It's not about coming on air or not. And I don't think that you should regard yourself as not being a brave person. I think you're incredibly brave because you are taking a very brave step, a very courageous step. I'd encourage you as well. Have a chat with a friend, you know, just openly and honestly. Start the conversation with something along the lines of, listen, I was just thinking, is there any chance I could get some advice and bounce something off you that I'm thinking of doing? Um, I've had this issue for a period of time and off you go and just open up someone who's really close to you. You know, that's a start. Gamblers Anonymous are a start. It doesn't even have to be a family member if you don't want. You can keep it as private as you want. Delete the apps, you know. Come up with other things in your life and get in touch with Gamblers Anonymous and sit down and listen to the stories of others who are struggling and dealing with issues that are very similar to yours. And good luck to you, 100%. Good luck to you. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, I asked Dave McGrath to have a stroll around, a bit of a scove around the city. He's catching a bus now, so I don't want to keep him so long. He was going to check out the flags and bunting. Uh, how'd you get on, Dave? Neil, um, I... I I have a report, you know, and the report is absolutely shocking. You won't believe it. All right. Um, I started off in Shannon Street, and Shannon Street is a wash with colour. Right? Fair play. Bell shops, very good, the, the best street in Cork. Came over the North Cape Bridge, when they looked down the North Bend Street, I couldn't see one bit of flag or one bunting from the North Cape Bridge. But as I got down, nothing, until I came to Reflex, men's shop there, just... The, the men's uh, clothes shop on the left hand side just the he one bun- he has a bit of bunting and Mick Murphy's have a bit of bunting ok so, and the rest of the, the city but the biggest shock about the North End Street Neil and I went in and I said it to him I gave out to him about it common sports right and Ray Cummins all table cock and all his family table cock and there's not one bit of bunting up outside the shop it wouldn't be hard to put something up would it yeah I, I said to him so I said I said this is the famous Pulling, um family owns the shop. I said, how come you have no bunting up? And the girl said she just didn't know. Okay, all right. So, okay. Okay. so I turned into uh, Castle Street, nothing. Grand Parade, a bit of bunting up over Central next to the St. Augustine Church. Uh, down the, the Capitol, Soho Bar, Library, nothing. Not one flag or a bit of bunting in the Grand Parade. Or a Punker Street, nothing in the whole <laughs> end of it. 
surely, okay, um, but surely some shops did. I mean, no, I, I, I walked along okay. nobody's nobody. nothing, nothing, and and Patrick Street, nothing. There's not a, a one thing up outside and thing in Patrick Street. And have From, city council done anything on polls or anything? No, the, the only people on flags in Patrick Street, the only way you see a bit of bunting on in Patrick Street and, and flags are the guys selling them on the street. I bought a few, some stuff there while they were out. But like Debenhams and any of the shop, any of the banks of the, the shops on, on both sides of the chateau and uh, gentlemen's quarters, they're all them shops, they have nothing up. So there's actually nothing in the whole city there. About three shops in the whole place. Ah, uh, that is absolutely, absolutely. heartbreaking. And my, uh, uh, this is my suggestion. 99% of these people that have nothing up, they should be holding into a couple of army trucks, taken out to spike oil and left over a month. <laughs> no, but seriously. I mean, good God. So not only the commercial sector that by and large are ignoring it, but council as well. I mean, this is yeah. Thursday. This stuff should have been done last week. That's, as a matter of fact, Neil, you wouldn't, if you, if you were a stranger in town, uh, or you weren't even a GA supporter, you wouldn't think that Cock would have been playing all in the final. Three finals yeah. were in. The minors, the under-20s, and the seniors. Oh, my God, that yeah. is just absolutely shocking. Well, David, thank you thank you so much for delivering on your promise. Sad and disappointing and all as the news is. You, 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 you might fix me up tomorrow with an old pizza. Everybody's on the take this morning. I'll sort you out with a pizza. I'll sort you out with a pizza. Tomorrow's Friday, we'll have pizza to give away. Isn't that heartbreaking? That's just so disappointing. It's so simple. And they're all surrounded by shops that are selling stuff. Bunting. I mean, it's as cheap as chips. I must take a photograph of the on-air for you guys because I'm surrounded by cork flags and bunting, which I got from uh, Twilight News and I put them all up yesterday. Okay, listen. Um, before I go, just a little bit of housekeeping. This is very important because we're behind the hurlers. On the banks of my one 850 callers 10 or 11 to claim your swag of flags and balloons and bunting from ourselves and Twilight News. Get on the phone. Now, if you want to win a chauffeur-driven limo up and down to the match on Sunday, we have an S-Class uh, Mercedes limo from Cork Chauffeurs Limited. You need to come as close as you can to our dream hurling team. This was independently put together by Jordan Bracken. It's his dream team. Already, John Glavin has, has named nine uh, hurlers on the all-time list. Nine. So that's what you have to beat, the dream team. If you think you can list it, 15 of them, email neil at redfm.ie. Do it today because tomorrow's the last day and I'll be reading out the different entries at that stage or a selection of them. But nine is what you have to beat. He's got nine on the list. Can you beat that? Email neil at redfm.ie. Now, with regards to Sammy's surgery, uh, the clinic and the hospital are back to me this morning. Thank you so much. They came back again because they have a signed copy of the patient early release form. And it's important that I bring this to air with regards to being fair and balanced. And Sammy did sign a copy of the patient release form, the one that said... I confirm that I've been made aware of the medical risks of leaving at my own accord as set out below. And that would be pain, bleeding, leakage, nausea, discomfort, infection, casualty, unforeseen trauma associated with air cabin pressure and traveling. They're saying that they asked her and encouraged her not to leave. She left of her own volition early. I understand all of that. And it doesn't take from where she finds herself now pain, discomfort and very down about it and in an awful place because of it. 
but it, it really does accentuate the importance of staying in a hospital for the period of aftercare that you've been asked for. So to be fair, um, while she didn't have a signed copy of it, they do, and they sent me a copy of it this morning. So that's the latest on that one. Again, this is more turning into a story of aftercare than anything else. No disrespect to Sammy, not intended, um, but it's important to clarify issues as they arise. Our lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.